All right, welcome in to another edition of Sports Talk today. He's Jason Craig, man in the boards, producing the show, screening phone calls, choosing the music. I'm Adrian Bradas filling in for Steve Kaplowitz today here on 600 ESPN El Paso. A big show for you today on Sports Talk. So excited to have K.J. Lewis. That's right. We heard the news yesterday that uh, K.J. Lewis will be heading off to Duncanville out in East Texas, leaving Chapin for a senior season. We'll get a chance to meet with one of El Paso's best. I mean, let's just put it this way. One of the best to ever play high school basketball here in the city of El Paso. Uh, We'll get a chance to talk with him here in our next segment, 15 minutes away from our conversation with KJ Lewis. Uh, I'm really excited about this one because of uh, a lot of different reasons. And KJ has been so great to us on this show over the past, uh, you know, four or five years. And, uh, you know, it's going to, we're really going to miss him. We're, we're excited that he is heading out to Duncanville on this great opportunity. Duncanville, one of the best programs out in East Texas. And uh, this is going to be a lot of uh, excitement to watch as uh, one of the best prospects, not just, you know, not just in El Paso or in the state, one of the best prospects in the country. I mean, you're talking about a top 100 recruit who is already committed to the, you know, to the University of Arizona. He is now headed to the bet, one of the best basketball programs uh, in, in the state of Texas. Duncanville has won three straight class 6A state championships and K. J. Lewis will be a part of that team. What will be one of the focal points of that team, I should say. Uh, and then in our five o'clock hour, we'll get a chance to reconnect with Jeff Erickson. So excited that we'll get this opportunity uh, from RotoWire.com. This is going to be a great conversation because Jeff Erickson uh, is, uh, you know, he's joining us back on the program after a little bre- uh, little break. He was out in Ireland over the past two weeks, and uh, now he's getting a chance to rejoin us here on Sports Talk as we get started on this Wednesday edition. We are we are pending one guest in our 6 o'clock hour. I won't even mention the name because uh, we still haven't gotten confirmation. So if we get him uh, in our 6 o'clock hour, we'll, we'll uh, promote that later on in the show. And then we'll have Tim Haggerty close out the show with us about 6.45 preview uh, the upcoming game between El Paso and Sacramento as that one gets underway at 7.30 tonight. Jason, what's going on, man? Happy Wednesday to you. Happy hump day. Well, happy Wednesday to you, AB. How's everything? Everything is okay, man. I'm, I'm getting ready because uh, you and I will be out this weekend, uh, Friday to be exact, broadcasting live at Southwest University Park for the A&A All the Way charity softball game. It's the celebrity softball game. Let's just call it what it is because there are some uh, some really big names all across the roster for the A&A All the Way Foundation. It's Team Aaron Jones going up against Team Alvin Jones. Uh, that's why I really uh, that's why this one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, there's still some things that we're we're waiting to find out about this event. Like, you know, we're still trying to confirm getting some of these uh, all-stars on our show through the next couple days. But, you know, you just look at the two rosters. On the home team, it's going to be Alvin Jones. He's leading this group. You're getting some household names uh, across this team. Chris Carson, the running back for the Seattle Seahawks, he'll be on that team. You'll have uh, Deshaun Elliott, also an NFL player. UTEP's own Nick Needham, who's now starring as a cornerback for the Miami Dolphins. He'll be on Alvin's team, along with guys like John Skelton. Yes, that's right. John Skelton, the, the former quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals who grew up in El Paso, uh, starred in El Paso, went to Fordham, and then uh, you know carved out a nice little career in the NFL with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, 
You're getting Jamal Williams, the running back for the Detroit Lions, on that team as well. You're getting guys like Will Hernandez. That's a you know Arizona Cardinals own. He's he's now signed uh, recently signed with uh, Arizona after having a nice uh, start to his career with New York. Some pretty good teams with Alvin's team right there. Uh, you know, some good players right there, Jason. As far as the roster on Alvin's All Star side, that's on Friday. That's on Friday. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. And that's a that's a super that's a squad right there. Okay, I'm going to give you the Showtime team. This okay. is the visiting team. Aaron Jones heads this team. Uh Brian Forbes is going to be a part of the or Brian, uh Bryn Forbes, I'm sorry, Bryn Forbes. Uh mistake there uh he's the denver nuggets uh, guard and he's going to be joining this team so you're getting a little nba uh exposure right here is this like rock and jock i think so i think this is because it's local celebrities everywhere i loved rock and jock that was like an amazing thing on mtv you might have been yeah that was before my time but i know exactly what you're talking about vh1 thank you for uh for showing me those old clips and stuff like that um you know they also on this visiting team with Aaron Jones, you have guys like Kylan Hill. He's actually a running back behind Aaron Jones on the Green Bay Packers currently. Uh, you have Omar Quintanilla, who's joining them on that team. I think that's a little unfair as far as uh, some celebrity guests that they have. Our good friend Quentin Demps is going to join as well. He's actually on team uh, Aaron as well. And then you look at Eric Tomlinson. He's a starting tight end for the uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. You look at uh, guys like Dexter Williams, Cinta de Oro, one of the friends of our pro, a friend of a program here, uh, you might remember him as Sincara, formerly WWE. He'll be there at, uh, he'll be on Team Aaron Jones. How about that, Jason? You know, I'm very excited right now, right? We got to get Cinta on the show. You have no, don't do that. No, no, no. I'm will, not kidding. He's will, a friend of ours. I will fanboy out. Okay, let's do it. And then, and then uh, just have some questions prepared. Let's try to be, do this. I have to be professional. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Can fanboy in the middle of the break. You can take a, a nice selfie with Cinta if we get a chance to speak with him. You know what uh, we could do? Content. Ooh, Ready? I like this. Yes. The, okay. The Cint, the the Cinta chop. Ooh, okay. I'll take. I'll probably. Die. You'll take, I'll take one. I'll take one. Okay. Uh, you said it first. Jason Craig says that he'll take the Cinta chop. I like this. Um, have you seen Cinta recently? Have, have, uh, I, have, I haven't seen him in a while since the last time he was here in the Lubingo Studios. I haven't seen him in person, but uh, I follow him on Instagram, and uh, he's chopping everywhere. The man's busy. Oh, he's busy. Yeah, he does a lot of different things. Cinta de Oro is part of Team Aaron Jones and Team Showtime uh, for the ANA All the Way Foundation charity softball game. We'll be out there, 600 ESPN El Paso, starting at 4 o'clock till 7 at the ballpark, assuming all things go well. And, uh, yeah, we're really excited about that broadcast. We'll be giving away some tickets on the show as well. Uh, so if you're trying to head out to the ballpark, Southwest University Park, and watch Aaron and Alvin Jones battle it out in the charity softball game, their first ever as part of their nonprofit, ANA All the Way Foundation, just listen in on the show. We'll give you details on how you can win these tickets here on Sports Talk. Uh, again, a real busy show today. Want to get to some headlines out of sports. Uh, and, you know, this is some sad news today. I was I was really bummed out hearing that longtime NFL player and uh, television personality uh, Tony Siragusa has died at the age of 55. You might remember him as the Moose. Siragusa died in his sleep, according to Pro Football Network. He was uh, the Goose. I mean, that's all I, I remember. 
remember him as. Growing up watching NFL Sundays on Fox, and Saragusa spent 12 years in the NFL with both the Colts and the Ravens. He won a Super Bowl with Baltimore in 2001, and then he spent over a decade as a sideline analyst for Fox NFL Sunday. When he was on that Fox NFL Sunday broadcast, he just always brought so much energy. And the face is so recognizable. The voice is so recognizable for Saragusa, the Moose. Um, a lot of people loved him and what he brought to the table. So we are mourning the loss today of Tony Saragusa at the age of just 55. He was part of that late 90s Ravens Super Bowl championship team. He was the defensive tackle for an all-time defense that included guys like Ray Lewis, Rod Woodson, Chris McAllister. Uh, the Ravens beat out the Giants in that Super Bowl 34-7. to So you look at what Saragusa did in his career. I mean, just one of, one of the best to do it with the Ravens and the Colts uh, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, at least. Uh, it was the second loss, uh, and this is a tragic loss that happened yesterday. I, I was shocked to hear this news. And uh, again, the Ravens family has had to deal with these losses over the past couple days. Earlier today, the team announced that linebacker, like current linebacker, Jalen Ferguson passed away at the age of 26. Uh, this is really sad right here. Ferguson uh, is a was a standout kind of player. This is being described as, quote, a questionable death. Um, they still are trying to uncover more about this. Officers found the 26-year-old third-round draft pick unresponsive last night when they responded to a house out in uh, Harwood neighborhood. Um, and upon arrival, they found medics providing treatment to Ferguson, who was unresponsive. Uh, this is just a devastating, devastating th- news out of here. And uh, minor fans might remember Ferguson very well. He starred for Louisiana Tech. He played against the minors year after year. And I think uh, when he came out in 2019, I think I called him one of the best, if not the best, uh, defensive players in all of Conference USA. Uh, a third-round draft pick. I mean, the Ravens wanted him early in the draft. And... Um, he recorded 62 tackles, four and a half sacks over three seasons, just 26 years old. Just real tragic news today, uh, hearing the news of the loss of uh, Jalen Ferguson, uh, gone way too early at just 26. And then Tony Saragusa uh, died at the age of 55, just to, you know, also way too early for somebody like this. Um, yeah, just real sad if you're a, a Baltimore fan right now and uh, all the all the passings that have happened over the past day, you know, in the, in the past couple of days here uh, as we get things started here on Sports Talk. Our telephone number today is 915-505-6009 to get into the show. You can also tweet the show at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. A couple tweets to get to early on in the show uh this from yesterday yesterday we had a question as part of our twitter tuesday poll uh that was asking people what do you prefer between um in and out and waterburger sorry jason craig uh the uh local in and out aficionado on this sports talk show waterburger won oh in an overwhelming 74 percent of the votes uh yeah man i'm sorry i'm sorry jason that's just uh Proof is in the pudding right there. No, it's not. It's just a local bias, <laughs> and I will not allow it. Oh, man. I wonder how many percent of the uh, voters, of the 130 voters who voted yesterday, have actually eaten at in and out So that's another thing to factor in. Um, Rudy tweeted the show regarding K.J. Lewis heading over to Duncanville from Chapin High School. Don't you have to sit out a year when transferring to another district? Uh, Rudy, I don't know if this was a 
kind of a rule in place before. I, I wouldn't doubt that that's the case, but no, that's that's one of those things that is not in place. So no, it, when we're talking about things like. Uh, um, you know, KJ Lewis and what kind of uh, eligibility he has or all that kind of stuff. He's immediately eligible. He's ready to play for Duncanville right away. Uh, and he's going to be a star on that team, uh, which is, you know, highly regarded. And it's good, you know, for KJ, I'm happy that he's getting to go up against some really high caliber talent as uh, he gets ready to advance to his next stage of his career. And that is, you know, play at Arizona and star in the Pac-12. He wants to play year one. And I think the path to actually playing and showing um, you know, people what he could do on the court is for him to get some better experience at a, at a higher level in high school basketball. So we'll have that conversation with KJ coming up soon. I'm so excited about that conversation because uh, K- again, KJ has been such a great person to us on this show. And I think this is uh, one that El Paso will really like to hear as far as uh, what he was able to do for the city, uh, giving a lot of people a exposure and things like that so uh very excited about this conversation coming up here in about five minutes uh from now i want to also mention this and i want to get your take on this jason we'll get into this later on in the show sam west who works for the utep ticket office has said quote the number of tickets that have gone on for the home opener for utep football going up against north texas this is what sam writes quote This number has already jumped up another 3,000 in tickets. El Paso. You might not want to believe us yet, but when you want a ticket... uh, a ticket the week of the game very few will be available if any over 60 percent of the sun bowl is already sold out for the first game against north texas on august 27th jason how about that 60 percent of people have already bought tickets that's a that's a that's a full house in a sense that is a lot of people no, you're exactly right. What is uh, uh here? I'm a quick math here on my end. What's forty? Uh, excuse me. What's sixty percent of forty five thousand? That's uh. That that's this is a sports show, and <laughs> math was not in. I think no. I think that's twenty seven thousand. If I'm if I'm not. Uh, if I'm not wrong, I, I might be butchering that right there. But, uh, yeah, I think that you're, you're talking about almost 30,000 seats have already been uh, taken up at the uh, home opener. Great for UTEP. I'm so happy that they're going. They're, they're hitting this mark. Uh, the UTEP Athletics account has already crossed off 30,000, so maybe it's 30,000-plus as far as what they're trying to get or what they've already gotten in the Sun Bowl for tickets. Uh, they, po- they posted a tweet that said, soon – 40,000 will be sold. So we'll see what ends up happening. It's the home opener coming up for UTEP football, and we're excited about that right around the corner. But next, coming up next, it's KJ Lewis, the newest Duncanville edition going over from Chapin High School, and uh, he'll be joining us here on Sports Talk. Let's take a timeout right now. We'll hear from Charlie One, and we'll be right back after this on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back here on Sports Talk. Adrian Bratis along with Jason Craig as we continue here on a busy, busy Wednesday afternoon. Time to welcome on one of our favorites, formerly Chapin Husky standout, now Duncanville's newest addition out in East Texas. I'm talking about one of the best players to ever step foot in the city of El Paso at the high school ranks, KJ Lewis, joining us here as we continue on Sports Talk. KJ, what's going on, man? Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It means a lot, man. KJ, uh, take me through the decision because uh, we heard the news yesterday on your behalf that you'll be heading over to Duncanville. You'll be moving out to East Texas for your senior season and starring over there for one of the best teams uh, across the state and, hey, frankly, across the nation. Take me what what led to this decision of, of heading out there for your senior year. 
Um, so like late April, um, my mom got a job offer to work at the school. Um, and you know, she sat down with me and she said she was going to take this job. Um, and she asked, you know, what, what I wanted to do. And, um, since I was a little kid, I always like been at the same school as my mom. She's worked with, um, at my elementary, at my middle school. Um, she didn't get to work at Chapin, but she was always in the district. She worked at Burgess. Um, so it was just a no brainer, you know, to follow her and be with her for my last year so she can see me play over there. Most most uh, most definitely. And your mom, uh, for, for our listeners who don't know, she was a star at UTEP uh, for basketball. She played in the 90s, right. Monica Ramirez. Uh, she's been heavily involved in everything that you've been doing, whether it be uh, you know supporting you on your trips to AAU basketball, watching you play across East Texas, and uh, definitely going to as many games as she can. How, how much of an influence and help has your mom been throughout all this journey that you've had? Man, she's been amazing. I think, you know, words can't even describe how much she's, you know, helped me through this process um, and throughout life, uh, just guiding me, um, you know, through adversity and stuff like that. So um, words can't even describe how much she means to me. Um, You know, she's continued to be in my corner uh, throughout the bad and throughout the good. Um, And she's supported me throughout, you know, the bad and the good. So she's definitely like one of the main reasons I am where I am today. Duncanville, for people who don't know out there, they have won three straight 6A state championships, a national powerhouse in in high school basketball. They get some of the best prospects year after year uh, who end up, you know, uh, excelling at the next level in college hoops. Uh, How excited are you and fortunate are you to join this group? I'm super excited, uh, you know, just to see, you know, the past, you know, players and teams that they put together um, and, you know, to see how hard they work. Um, I think I, it's definitely going to help me um, in the future. Um, and I just I'm ready to, you know, continue to grow my game in uh, different aspects that I, I never would have got to grow down here or down there in El Paso. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super ready. Now, when you say that, it's so interesting to me because you at Chapin helped reach highs that this city hasn't seen in a long time. I mean, hitting, going all the way out into the Texas State playoffs, beating some of the powerhouses in West Texas, and then uh, you know going up against really tough competition anytime you could, even in preseason tournaments. You all, uh, Coach Rodney Lewis was always a great person to try to schedule you all against the best competition he could in non-district play. Uh, talk about your your progression year after after year with Chapin and uh, where, how, how you feel kind of everything left off when it was all said and done this past season? I think the progression from my freshman year to my junior is definitely uh, big because of what you just said. Um, Coach Lewis always tried uh, year after year to schedule, um, you know, really good competition for us to see what we what we would face during the playoffs. Um, and I, I think that was like the biggest reason, you know, I jumped from, know what I was as a freshman to now as a, you know, going to be an upcoming senior. So it's really just, you know, it's kudos to him and how much work we put in throughout those three years and, you know, him, you know, reaching out to those other schools to help us get better. Most definitely. Again, KJ Lewis joining us on Sports Talk as we continue. Uh, you're you a six foot four guard. You averaged twenty points, eight rebounds, three steals this past year for a Chapin team that only lost five games. You you all won thirty one games. You were thirty one and five. Only lost five games this year. You guys were one of the do- most dominant teams in this whole area when it comes to this past season in high school hoops. How will you remember your final year here at Chapin uh, in El Paso? Uh. 
definitely. Uh, I couldn't even. Oh, snap. Did I go out? No, you good. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I got okay, you. Okay, I'm good. Um, it's hard to even put it into words. You know, I just really took it uh, one day at a time and, you know, took everything in, the love and the hate. But, like, with my guys at Chapin, with Coach Lewis, it was, you know, definitely grateful. Um, you know, we we did uh, things that people didn't think we could do. And, you know, I really – I'll miss it for sure. Like, it's hard to just even put in words. It was definitely a hard decision to make. Yeah, and, and let's let's talk about the bad because – and I, I don't want to get, you know, too deep into, into what went on, but – KJ, I went to some of your games and fans would chant obscenities at you. And, and it kind of got me upset when I, when I was just thinking like, look, we're in the city of El Paso. We, we should try to lift people up in this city and just try to right. look. This is the city where you grew as a prospect in basketball. You end up being a four star prospect, top 100 recruit, top 25 recruit in the whole country. And then you you know you have people in your own backyard who are chant, chanting obscenities at you. That must feel you know frustrating as a player who's just giving the sport your all and, and trying to be better every single day. Uh, I think sometimes uh, it does feel like that, but also with my mom being you know in my ear all the time, she always says to just use it as motivation. Um, and so as like the season went on, like I, I kind of. Uh, to you, I did use that motivation. It just helped me get better um, and prepare me for you know difficult difficult objects coming down the road. So I think it's really fifty fifty. Yeah, I, I get it because I actually there was this one game I watched of yours in person. It was the Franklin game this past year, and uh, those fans <laughs> those fans gave it to you. But by the end yeah, of the game, yeah. by the end of the game, you were shushing the crowd. You were you were uh, you let yeah. your game speak for itself. No, that that's probably one of my favorite games throughout the year. Um, it's like it's like what Draymond Green said after the finals. Like I, I just stuck with me. Like he said, you know, the crowd gave him like gave it it gave good energy. So like it is always good to play against that type of atmosphere. Um, you know, in El Paso, you don't really get too many games that are packed uh, and sold out. So it was probably definitely one of the best games I played in so far. Uh, take us through a little bit of what you've done recently in the AAU ranks, because summer, when it when it comes to high school and prep hoops, it's all about AAU and what you do with your travel ball team. What's been go- what's been the latest with you uh, in that regard? Um, so I just got back from Las Vegas. Um, I participated in the Pangos All American Camp. Um, it's a camp where you know all of, like one top one fifty, uh, regardless of class, get invited to. Um, I think I did I did pretty well out there. I finished top seven out of the whole camp. Um, made a top thirty game. Uh, I just been I traveled. My first tournament was in Orlando in April, and then I went to Indianapolis, and I'm gonna go to Orlando again for uh, another camp. And after that, it ends July second and July fifth. I got to go to South Carolina for oh, a man. tournament. And then I got to stay throughout the 14th. So July 5th through the 14th, I got to stay in South Carolina for two weeks um, for Adidas All-American Camp. And then we go to L.A. So it's just, you know, it's a lot of traveling, um, you know, taking a uh, toll on my body. But, you know, just, you know, getting used to it, you know, it's preparing me for the highest level. 
Yeah, and I think let's let's dive into that a little bit more because all the constant travel, the constant different cities, the the nonstop you know change of schedule, change of routine, and having to be adaptable. That's got to be uh, great for you just to understand what process this looks like as you head off to Arizona, as you head off and try to be an NBA pro basketball player at the next level. This is great experience right here that you're getting at the high school prep level. No, it's definitely a great experience. Um, again, it just shows how much, you, like, you know, those type of players pay attention to their bodies and take care of their bodies so they can, you know, last throughout this whole entire process. Um, you know, in the NBA, it's 82 games. It's back-to-backs. Um, and, you know, that's the main goal. So to see, uh, to take what NBA players do to take care of their body and, you know, do it as a high schooler is just, you know, also just getting me ready for that next level. Now, when we're talking about just you in the summer, uh, you also have a really cool thing coming up, the MBPA Top 100 Camp that's going to be uh, taking place out in Orlando. This is an awesome, awesome thing. You were just telling me off air, some of the best players that you're going to see out uh, in the NBA draft tomorrow, some of the best players that you see year after year, prospect-wise, who go to the NBA uh, are in this kind of camp. Tell us a little bit about what's going to happen in Orlando and what kind of exposure you're going to get when it comes to like the NBA coaches that are going to be out there? So the MBPA camp is, uh, I want to say a five, five to five through six days. So basically a week, um, you know, it's, it's skills training from NBA players and, or NBA coaches. Um, and it's games against, uh, the best players in the country in the class of 2023. Um, NBA coaches and NBA GMs will be there. It's also a live period where college coaches can come out and watch us play. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, I'm grateful for. Um, you know, some of the like players I look up to in the NBA now have been invited to that camp. So it's just, you know, it's it's on me to go out there and, you know, perform at the highest level to show people that um, what I'm capable of. What's the feedback you get from people at that next level? Like, what what do they tell you, hey, we like this, or hey, you need to continue to work on this? Uh, it's just, it's honestly little things, um, like little details that NBA coaches and NBA GMs and college coaches look at. Uh, just like change of pace, um, you know, holding my follow through. Um, making right reads off a of pick and roll, um, you know, and just having a high motor. So it's n- it's none too major, just little details. This is a this might be a, a real basic question, KJ. But what position do you think you'll end up playing? Like I, I know you kind of <laughs> play that hybrid, like shooting guard. You could play point guard if you want. You could play small. Right. You could play a lot of different positions. What what do you think? You know that one position is going to be for you. That's tough. I think I'll play shooting guard most of the time, um, but I think. What you said, hybrid guard is, you know, the right terminology for what I am. Um, So if the coach needs me to play a point guard or small forward, I could. But I think my main position would be shooting guard. Now let's talk a little bit about that Duncanville team that we uh, alluded to earlier. Uh, I look at one of the top 15 players in the country, Ronald Holland. This is a name that a lot of people are going to know in the next couple years. Uh, he played AAU with you in, in, a, in a couple summers uh, that you've had a chance to actually play in AAU hoops. What, what, what's your relationship with him like? What kind of player is he? Uh, so me and Ron, we basically grew up together. Uh, we played, we've been playing with each other since seventh grade. Um, and you know, he's just a high, you know, high energy player who can rebound, run the floor, can stretch the floor out, um, block shots. Um, but 
I think the biggest thing is just his energy. You know, he gets people going. He gets the game. He gets the game like amped up. Um, so I think he's a he's a great player. He's going to be fun playing with him. Now, when we're talking about Arizona, this is a school that you committed to this past spring. Since you committed to the point where we are now, what's the response been like from Arizona fans? I'm sure they've been – I see it right now in my mentions after just you know p- posting something about you. I've got Arizona people left and right in my, in my mentions talking about how excited they are for you to come out there once you graduate. There's nothing but love from you know uh, Arizona fans. Um, I'm just excited just as excited as them to get out there. Um, you know, I'm ready to bring great energy, uh, hopefully to bring more uh, more winning, more championships to, you know, the city of Tucson. It's just, I, I just get crazy love from, you know, the fans. Now, KJ, as we kind of wind things down here on the show, and, and really I appreciate all the time that you spent with us today uh, on the show. When, when it came to down to the final decision, moving from El Paso to Duncanville, as you reflect back on the city of the 915 and what this city really gave to you, what, what, what would message would you have to fans out there of yours who still live in El Paso, uh, to the Chapin High School community? What message do you have to them as kind of like a, you know, a goodbye? Like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm heading off but for good things. Uh, just a, a- to thank them, you know, for the love and the, you know, appreciation that they gave me. Um, you know, not a day went by without, uh, for, not a day went by for me taking them for granted. Um, you know, it has been a long process. Um, they stuck with me. Um, you know, I just got nothing but love for the whole city, um, and especially the Northeast. Um, you know, it definitely sucks. Because uh, I wish I would have accomplished, you know, me and Coach Lewis's goal to bring a, a state title back to El Paso. But um, I think we did, we still made, like, historical run down there. But, no, nah, it's been nothing, it's nothing but love for the whole city. Well, look at Chapin. They're still in good hands. They still have a right. solid team. You look at the Northeast. They, they do. Yeah, look at the whole Northeast, the, the talent that's out there in Andrus, the talent that's out there with all the different teams out there. Well, Pat, you're heading out of here, but El Paso is still in good hands, right? Yes, for sure. I think it's like a um, – I told my mom this. Like, It's like a win-win for everybody uh, with me leaving. Um, it's going to shine a, a brighter light on players that – people didn't think that could play um especially at Chapin um definitely at Andrus um but at at tape at Chapin for sure um you know I think a lot of people are going to be surprised about who's gonna you know you know put up numbers this year KJ Lewis with us here on Sports Talk as we continue KJ I can't thank you enough for all the time today I really appreciate everything best of luck to you this the rest of the summer especially at the MBPA top 100 camp and uh, best of luck to you in this next journey we're all going to be rooting from you uh, for you here back in the 915 and uh, be sure to keep tabs with us here on the show we we'd love to have you back and just check in with you as, as time goes on yes sir for sure I appreciate you for having me All right. Well, we appreciate having you, KJ. Really, uh, really appreciate it again. All right. uh, We're going to take a timeout right now. When we come back, more phone calls and tweets. The Sports Talk continues right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back to Sports Talk. Jason Craig, Adrian brought us here with you on a Wednesday afternoon. Jason, are you DJ or something? You're playing the vibe. You're playing a lot of vibes today. I like this. I love Danzig. This is a fire song. I don't know why this is in our our rotation already. Look. (laughs) The music that I find in this box of 
goodies over here. I'm telling <laughs> you, it's it's amazing. You're having fun with the library. I am. I like it. Hey, uh, we got some breaking news on the show. Uh, very exciting news. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am for this. Jason knows how thrilled I am. Coming up at 5, former minor Bryson Williams. That's right, the Bryson Williams who's waiting on his uh, NBA draft call tomorrow uh, as, as the uh, Texas Tech graduate, the UTEP product, the Fresno State alum, native. Uh, he is going to join us coming up in our next segment here on Sports Talk. And uh, can't, can't tell you how excited I am for this one. Bryson Williams has been busy this summer. He has been uh, working out with various NBA teams, trying to boost his stock. Uh, and we'll get a chance to talk with one of uh, UTEP's best in recent years as he gets ready for the NBA draft tomorrow night. Uh, and so you, you definitely want to uh, make sure that you get a chance to listen to this conversation coming up here at 5 o'clock. Then after that discussion, we'll have uh, Jeff Erickson join us on the program at 520. Uh, throwing it back to you, Jason. Did you ever get a chance to see Bryson Williams when he played at UTEP? And if so, what you, what'd you think of his game? Yeah, um, I think it was probably the first two seasons. And, yeah. uh, oh, no, he was good. He was good. Um, very impactful in the paint. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed watching him play. And, it, you know, tomorrow, ooh, anything can happen. Yeah, it's interesting because that's, that's what I want to ask him about. Ever, anything really can happen. That's, that's correct. The, the big question is, so for people who are out there and, and want to kind of know a little bit more about Bryson Williams, he has not been on NBA draft boards whatsoever. Like going into the season, going into UTEP, was not on any draft board lists. And, hey, maybe you could think what you want about those draft board lists. Most of them um, have mostly younger players and younger prospects who are getting ready to go to the next level. However, you just look. I mean, there's only 58 draft picks that are out there right now. It's hard to make an argument that Bryson will get drafted for sure, but there is a great argument to make that Bryson Williams will get snatched up as soon as tomorrow on a two-way contract. And what that means is he could he could be inserted right away into a summer league team. He can make their uh, G League roster and has an opportunity to maybe rise up on a two-way deal with whatever NBA team he signs with. Uh, I'll just tell you this. I, I mean, just watching from afar as Bryson Williams finished out his uh, his senior season with uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, it was evident that Bryson had really shown that he could grow and, and compete against some of the best talent in the Big 12 you know, every time he stepped on the floor, it seemed like at times he was the best player on both sides, which is, you know, pretty cool to say about somebody who plays in the, one of the best conferences in college basketball. And uh, for Bryson Williams, we'll see, we'll see if he gets a chance to get drafted or if he gets a chance for that two-way opportunity. I'll tell you this, though. Um, after his showing at the NBA Scouting Combine and how he was able to just stand out among some of the household names that we know for uh, the NBA draft – I'm very, very interested to see what ends up happening uh, with the former minor and now the former Texas Tech player in Bryson Williams. Our, no, our telephone number, 505-6009. That's 915-505-6009 as we continue here on Sports Talk. We also have six, uh, we're also at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Uh, that's 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Paul Marmalejo checks in from our discussion in the previous segment with K.J. Lewis. Your current interview with KJ is what's wrong with college athletics. What say you, El Paso? You know, Paul, I, I'm, I, I can't say that I'm surprised to hear a response like this after the KJ Lewis interview. Uh, I get it because I think that maybe you know, this is a loyal city. This is a city that 
um, gets upset, you know, during the transfer portal season, during the time where they see uh, players leave this pro, uh, the UTEP program, or, or things like that. I get it. I, I'm I've done this, and I understand that fans don't like when players leave. But you have to realize KJ had been established in the city of El Paso. It's almost like he graduated this past year already. So whether it was him reclassifying and joining Arizona early, whether it was you know leaving El Paso and then going off and and playing uh, at Duncanville for his senior year, or whether it was playing at Chapin, what, what was what was he going to gain for another season at Chapin? Try to run it back and win an, uh, win a state championship. I just think those things are uh, really tough to do, and it's also one of those things where you just look at how NBA pl- prospects are evaluated and how the process really works. You could say what you want about like a grassroots guy coming out of uh, you know like a small college like a Murray State or something like that, a la John Morant. Those stories just don't happen that much. So you have to go the route that a lot of other – you kind of have to look at the AAU route and see what other guys are doing across the country. K.J. Lewis made a very – you know, a business decision in going to Duncanville and playing his senior year there. He's already committed to Arizona. He's already – you know, he's already done what he needed to do as far as being a prospect. Now it's just about actually getting better. Like forget all the prospects. Forget the social media hype. Forget the branding, all that kind of stuff. It's all about trying to play against – tougher competition at Duncanville in the AAU circuit, whatever it might be. It's all about trying to get better if you're KJ Lewis right now. So I, I don't really, I, I look at all this stuff that's going on across uh, across social media with people maybe hating on it and, and the decision that he made. I'm just not buying it. He already did enough for the city of El Paso and what he was able to do uh, and just giving a lot of exposure for high school hoops in the city. And I kind of side with him on his final answer where he was like, you know what, maybe it's better for me to be out of the city of El Paso and now that a lot of other guys can get, get the shine elsewhere. So, uh, you know, for K.J. Lewis leaving, I get it. I think a lot of people think the way Paul does, saying that that's what's wrong with college athletics or, in this case, high school athletics. I, I understand where that opinion comes from, but I'm still going to be on the, on the defense side for K.J. Lewis because, for him, I see a bigger goal. I see him trying to get to the NBA. His... his He's not necessarily worried about what people in El Paso think of him at that at that level. Uh, Jason, what do you think about this whole discussion and maybe a little hate coming KJ's way for leaving El Paso's Chapin and going off to Duncanville? Hate away, hate away. The thing is, is that he's trying to better himself. He's trying to get to that next level. And if this is where he felt like he was peaking, sometimes you got to step out. And when you step out, you know he looks. He sounds like he has a good. Head on his shoulders, right. focused on what he wants to do. So, uh, all support to him, man. Um, and you know, the the next step is to to embrace all the hate on a bigger platform because it's gonna come. Yeah, it's it gonna come. Will. And so, if you're already prepared for that, you know, that's it. It makes you, you know, just a little bit uh, better to reject it or ignore it. Yeah, and it gives him a lot of fuel and power as he continues in his senior year. So I'm excited for him, uh, and I'm definitely excited about our next conversation. It's Bryson Williams coming up next right here on 600 ESPN El Paso in hour number two. Hour number two is underway. Adrian brought us here along with Jason Craig. Let's jump out to the phone lines. Welcome on 
Somebody that El Paso knows very well, it is Bryson Williams getting ready for the 2022 NBA Draft, which is taking place out in New York uh, tomorrow. And uh, Bryson Williams, one of the draft hopefuls out of Texas Tech, and of course spent two seasons with the Miners as a standout in Conference USA. Bryson has gone through a tremendous uh, offseason uh, off of workouts, getting ready for the NBA Draft that is set for tomorrow. Bryson can't Thank you enough for joining the the uh, show today. Thank you so much, and uh, welcome back uh, to the city of El Paso. What's going on, Bryson? Hey, how you doing, man? Thank you guys for having me. Bryson, uh, you know, a lot has changed since the last time we spoke to you. Uh, you stood out as far as a uh, uh, standout with the Texas Tech Red Raiders this past year as one of the newcomers of the year in the Big 12. You were also as part of the first team in the Big 12. Now, now you've turned the page on college basketball, and all eyes have been set on the draft. What has been the pre-draft process like for you as, as tr- in trying to get it onto an NBA roster? Uh, the pre-draft process has been uh, nothing but uh, beneficial, man, and just uh, it really uh, benefited me as a player and as a person. I mean, just going through uh, everything I went through, uh, having to fly to different cities, work out for teams, and uh, to see a lot of guys that I either played against or watched them play a lot and uh, meeting a lot of NBA personnel. I mean, it was just, it's just been truly a blessing, this whole process. Let's uh, let's rewind all the way back to the start of the Texas Tech season. You you joined a Red Raiders squad that was filled with some really great talent uh, across the Big Twelve. It's I mean you you know this. It's one of the best uh, conferences that you're going to find in college basketball. What was your final season of college hoops like joining the Texas Tech Red Raiders? Uh, I mean it was it was it was amazing. I mean just being in uh, like you said Big Twelve. Uh, it's probably the best uh, conference in terms of basketball in the country last year, and uh, joining the team with a bunch of guys that were uh, the man at their previous institutions, and uh, and uh, just being on an older team, being with a, a legendary coach and Coach Adams, and uh, just uh, really just growing as a player. I mean, just being a better player and uh, uh, testing myself with the competition every day, and uh, it was just a magical season, and uh, it was a it was just a blessing to be there for sure. Now, you this past season, you averaged 14 points, four rebounds, and, uh, of course, uh, an, an assist per game. But one of the big things that I think a lot of people uh, you know, took, a, took a big notice on was the way that you really improved on the defensive side. What kind of feedback did you get w- with your defensive play this past year in the Big 12? I, I thought you guarded real well against some of uh, the better competition in this league. Uh, yes, uh, I got a lot of great, uh, very positive feedback on that. I mean, that was the biggest reason why I chose Texas Tech because uh, Coach Adams. I mean, he's nationally regarded as the defensive guru in uh, college basketball, and uh, I knew that for me to be successful in the NBA, uh, I needed to become a better defender, and uh, that was the guy I chose with. And and uh, I mean, it just did nothing but benefit me going to Texas Tech and learning from him on that side of the floor. What was it like playing in a NCAA tournament game for the first time? Oh man, it was unbelievable. It's like it was unbelievable. I mean, just actually being able to experience that. I mean, that was my first time being in the uh, tournament, uh, my whole college career, and uh, just uh, just uh, I mean, just experiencing everything about it. I mean, the bus rides, the the, the dinners, um, um, the film study, the preparation, uh, the games. I mean. 
it's I mean, just knowing that everybody in the whole in the country is watching this game. I mean, it was just it was an unbelievable experience all in all. You know, I, I know that you're real busy with what you're doing on your side, and this whole season you were hyper-focused on Texas Tech, but did you ever keep tabs on, on the minors in, in UTEP basketball? I know you're real good friends with Sule Boom. He cited you in a lot of interviews mm-hmm. he did with us all season long, saying that you guys talk every day. Uh, what did you think of the minors this past season? Uh, I thought the minors had a really good season. I mean, our, our coach, uh, coach Golden, I mean, he's an unbelievable coach. Um, I mean, UTEP is going to have a lot of success with him as the head coach there. and um, I was really impressed with the season that they had. I mean, a lot of guys that were there the late year before, they stepped up and they really improved. I mean, he's, he's going to, uh, Zirik, I feel like he's going to have a really big year this year. I mean, I see the work that he's putting in. Um, so, yeah, I definitely keep tabs on uh, UTEP men's basketball. I mean, I follow them on Instagram. I mean, anything I, they post. And uh, any news updates they have, I try to keep up with it and always try to give them a like and everything like that. But, I mean, I love UTEP for sure. That's awesome, Bryson. Again, we got Bryson Williams joining us here on the show as we continue. Now, Bryson, tell me a little bit about the pre-draft process, uh, you know, because you get the invite to the NBA Scouting Combine, but you really start turning heads at this event. Like, you, you really capture a lot of scouts' eyes from what you were able to do. How is it going up against some of the better competition, just knowing that, hey, I'm, I'm really standing out among these guys? Uh, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, just put it, it just uh, shows that uh, all the hard work and every and everything that I've been putting into this game is um, beginning to pay off. Um, yeah, it was definitely, it was like, it was a lot of really good competition. I mean, a lot of the best guys in the country and not only in the country, around the world. Um, I mean, it was uh, it was an unbelievable experience playing in the NBA Combine and um, and even the G League Elite Camp. I mean, it was they were both just very uh, very good experiences, and uh, I really learned a lot playing through that. And, and uh, it's just it's nothing like playing in front of all those scouts. What is it like to actually be in front of uh, uh, you know those those scouts like you mentioned, but then get feedback from them like uh, they're telling you, hey, I, I want to see more of this, or hey, we really like you doing this. What's that kind of feeling like? Does that give you a lot of pressure? No, um, no, I really don't think so because I mean I put I mean I put my all into this game and uh, I put in a lot of hard work and um, I put in I mean as Coach Terry used to always tell me preparation always trumps pressure and uh, I always put I really go at my preparation with urgency and things like that so you know if they if there's something that they want to see from me I just bring it to that exact uh, notion to the next game and if they love me doing something I just I just keep on doing it you know so really just going in and just being a competitor. I mean, if you go in and just compete and give it your all every time, I mean, there's no pressure. It's just doing what you do every day. You know, it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I've seen when I look at just NBA draft boards or NBA prospect lists, I see things where they always like the measurables. One of the things that people really like about you is the fact that you've got a seven foot two wingspan. Uh, do you get that a lot? Do you hear that from different people at the at the executive level or the scout level? Yes, I do. Uh, I, yes, I do. I, that's actually a funny thing you said. Yeah, I was blessed with a great wingspan, and also, I mean, really big hands. I mean, like every uh, most of the places that I've been to, where I worked out, they measure my hands, and I'm probably like, I'm always either like top three biggest hands they had come through their uh, facility. So it's like, um, I mean, yeah, most definitely, I was just blessed with great measurables. NBA guys really like that, and try to use that to my advantage, especially on the defensive end of the floor. 
Now, what now? Uh, logistically speaking, what is the path to being on a roster look like for you? Is it uh, maybe like that second round that you're really hoping at for the NBA draft tomorrow? I know obviously this is all up up in the air, and and you know everything can be changed tomorrow. But what what are the kind of feedback you're getting from teams specifically? Uh, really, feedback I'm getting from teams is I mean they really love my toughness, they love my versatility. Um, and uh, I love what I bring to a team um, in terms of winning and leadership and just my mature, my maturity and um, and uh, experience playing this game. So uh, I mean, it, it can look like it, it can look like any way. I mean, I could be in the second round, drafted in the second round, or I could go undrafted and just get a contract that way, or or you know, just be in the summer league and and do what I do and just hopefully get a contract that way. I mean, there's it's so up in the air how this all can end out, but I mean, I just know that. I mean, I have faith in myself. I have faith in God, and I'm just going to trust those two things and just continue to keep working hard and just hope for the best. Now, we we got a chance to see on social media that you got a chance to work out with some of uh, the premier teams out in the NBA. I saw that you had a workout uh, with teams like the Indiana Pacers, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic. When you're going for these individual workouts or the team workouts, what's it like going with some of the NBA players and G League players that are on their current rosters, along with some of the guys who are also trying to get drafted or get picked up as far as like a two-way deal? Oh, I mean, it's 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 a, uh, I mean, just knowing that you're on the cusp of being in the NBA. I mean, there's nothing like it. And also, um, there's there's not NBA or G League guys in those workouts. I mean, they may be around the facility watching the workout. It's mainly just guys that are in the draft, also trying to uh, get a contract and uh, get on with a team. But I mean, just playing against these guys. I mean, it's all a group of talented guys. I mean, they the matchups I had were uh, were all very competitive. And very good matchups, and then, I mean, also it's just it's also good to know, you know, know these guys on a deeper level, like as a human being. You know what I'm saying? You you go against these guys and college games, and you guys compete, and then you leave. You know, but in these, you know, you you guys meet each other, you guys work out together. Sometimes you guys are even on teams in the workout, and then after you meet the whole group of guys, you guys talk and get to know each other on a deeper level. So. I mean, all in all, I mean, it's just, it was just an unbelievable experience. I mean, it's an unbelievable basketball experience. I mean, you learn so much about guys. You just learn so much about yourself as a player. You know, it's interesting because I see some of the guys who you competed with or, you know, against, even way back in Conference USA, like guys like Kenneth Lofton Jr., he ends up uh, doing some different trips with you at, at these different NBA combines or just uh, G League camps and stuff like that. Well, who are some of the guys that you've uh, befriended along this process as far as other college athletes who are trying to get drafted? Oh, man, I mean, I've befriended a lot of guys throughout this process. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I... I mean, Kenneth Lofted, I mean, me and him been always been cool since our UTEP and La Tech days. I always had a lot of respect for him. I think he's a really good player, and I, I can't, and I really hope that I hear his name go on that screen too as well in the draft. But, uh, I mean, I mean, just meeting guys, you know, like Brady Manick. I mean, Brady Manick is a super cool guy. Uh, David Roddy, um, um, guys in my agency, Dominic Barlow, Kofi, Kofi Coburn, Andrew Nemhart. Uh, to Cravion Smith, who's actually going back to NC State. I mean, very talented player. I mean, that's just. I mean, the list goes on and on of a lot of guys that I just met throughout this process that were really good dudes and, um, and made really good friends. And I mean, we follow each other on Instagram and things like that. So, I mean, just meeting all these guys. I mean, it was just a blessing for sure. And I mean, just meeting these guys, it's just it's nothing like it.
Again, we got Bryson Williams joining us on Sports Talk as we continue. Bryson, one of the other things that I, I definitely want to hit on, uh, when it comes to this pre-draft process, when it comes to just meeting all these different people, what's the? This, is just, this might sound like a weird question, but what's the difference in terms of just the facilities compared to colleges? Uh, when, when you go out for these individual workouts from these NBA teams, what, what do the facilities look like compared to what you've dealt with at the college level? Uh, I mean, these facilities are unbelievable. Um, well, one thing about Texas Tech, I mean, the, the Dustin Womble Center, um, going through these NBA uh, facilities and things like that, I mean, the Dusty, the Dusty Womble Center that we had at uh, Texas Tech, I mean, it's right up there with these NBA facilities. I mean, you had everything from cold hot tubs, I mean, a uh, uh, state-of-the-art uh, um, and conditioning room. Uh, you had a state-of-the-art uh, training room. And then an unbelievable gym, both boys and girls side, and um, meeting rooms and all that. I mean, that, that that place is really like up there with these NBA facilities. But all, all in all, I mean, these NBA facilities are unbelievable. I mean, I just don't see how uh, you can go in there and not be successful. You know what I'm saying? You got everything to your disposal: a basketball gym, um, uh, same thing, hot and cold tubs, uh, unbelievable locker rooms, uh, like. Uh, places where you can get all types of gear and and also even they even got steam rooms in there you know what i'm saying for nice. guys and i I love it being steam rooms you know so it's like things like that uh i mean it's just unbelievable the facilities are they're just i mean they're second to none really nice that's that's really cool to hear just from that perspective uh bryson tomorrow you'll be out in california watching this uh watching the nba draft along with all of us uh what is the pre-draft i mean what what are you doing for the draft are you are you the type of person who invites family and, and kind of watches close with close-knit people do you have a bigger party kind of thing or do you want want to watch kind of by yourself and ju- or, or just with a small group of people just so you could be as focused as possible with this I'm really just watching with a small knit group of my family. I'm a, my mom, my aunt, um, a couple, my cousins, my sister, my grandma, grandpa, and uh, some a couple more of my aunts and uncles that are going to come by and uh, watch the draft with us. But I mean, really, just a small little group watching the draft. I mean, I didn't really want to throw a big old party or anything, but uh, you know, just see what the outcome is and be ready to get to work after the. After we see what happens. Bryson, uh, we in El Paso did not take you for granted in what you were able to do at UTEP. We followed closely as you had a chance to star for the Texas Tech Red Raiders this past season. And uh, tomorrow we'll we'll hope to see uh, all the fruits of your labor really pay off as uh, you hope to be drafted in uh, the 2022 NBA draft. Bryson, thank you so much for all the time today. One last question. What is uh, the final message you'd like to give to the city of El Paso as you get ready to start a new chapter in your career you've got a, a good group of fans here rooting for you. Uh, I would just love to give the city of El Paso an ultimate thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, you know, welcoming me into UTEP with open arms and uh, just the support and love that they gave us uh, throughout that, those whole two years that I was there playing. Um, and, uh, I mean, just it's a beautiful city with beautiful people, great people. And, uh, I mean, uh, El Paso will always be a, a second home for me, and uh, and it picks up forever. That's awesome. Bryson, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we'll be watching tomorrow. Can't wait. Best of luck. All right. Thank you, man. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate you. All right. That's Bryson Williams joining us on Sports Talk as we continue. Take a timeout right now. When we come back, Jeff Erickson, let's talk some fantasy baseball as Sports Talk continues here on 600 ESPN El Paso. I do. 
All right, well, welcome back to Sports Talk. Adrian brought us here along with Jason Craig as we continue filling in for Steve Kaplowitz. Special thanks to Bryson Williams, who joined us in our previous segment talking about the NBA draft and how excited he is and hopeful he is to try to hear his name called in tomorrow's 2022 NBA draft. Time to switch up the conversation, talk a little fantasy sports with Jeff Erickson, one of our favorites, and our weekly conversation talking fantasy baseball. You can check out all the great work at rotowire.com for all your fantasy sports needs. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us back on the show. Fresh off the trip from Ireland, how did everything go out there? Oh, it was wonderful, Adrian. Uh, you know, we spent eight days there, saw a lot, a lot of castles, uh, a lot of history, but also a lot of beautiful country, too. Uh, it was fun. Uh, saw uh, the Irish national soccer team host Scotland for, in a UEFA game. That was fun, too. Uh, good time all around. Uh, really glad we did it. I'm glad I'm glad you did it as well. I'm glad you took the whole family. I'm super happy that you guys had a great time. Uh, and uh, before we get into talking some fantasy baseball, how about the U.S. Open this past weekend? I, I, I know you've got the Gaming Golf Podcast. It's one that I really like, and I definitely want to encourage our golf listeners, fans, uh, the fans of golf, to listen to this podcast. Watch it also on YouTube. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, what a weekend it was at the U.S. Open. Matt, Fitz, Matt Fitzpatrick winning it. Will Zalatoris coming oh so close, and now we're getting ready for the Travelers. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, it was uh, you know it was a one, you know it was a pretty incredible tournament, incredible uh, golf course. You know, it really held up well, and I loved seeing that leaderboard at the end. I mean, we had you know it was it was really uh, you know star laden and ascending stars. You know, seeing Fitzpatrick and Will Z there at the end, both those guys took the leap. You know, I feel like they're taking the leap. You know, obviously Will Z has competed, but not won in one of these yet. But uh, he's getting close and closer just gotta get a little bit better with the flat stick but uh you know made for a fun father's day uh just father's day weekend you know get back from ireland and three straight days of just watching a lot of good sports it was awesome it really was uh what you what do you think about all the debacle that's going on with the live golf uh in, you know tour across and just seeing yeah. this week brooks kepka deciding that he's going to be joining this mix uh, what do you think of everything uh, it's gross. I have Kepka on my season-long team. I also oh, have yeah. had Pat Perez, also had uh, Phil, actually, to start this whole thing. So, uh, you know, my team's a disaster anyhow. So that, it's been frustrating. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I understand why the players that are going are doing it. I mean, it's it's a lot of money. Um, it's it's a retirement plan. If you hear, if you believe some of the numbers being thrown about for the bigger names, I mean, I get it. I get it. Uh, especially, uh but the PGA Tour, you know, it's you know, you, better, you better produce or you don't, you know, you don't get paid, and you can have actually negative, negative income some years if you're not playing well and then lose your card. So I get it, but at the same time, uh, yeah, it, it's you know, the source of the money is obviously problematic, um, and sure. you know, it, the, the tournaments are going to be different and weird, and you know, from a fantasy perspective, it makes it harder for us too. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Uh, let's shift it over, talk some fantasy baseball. Let's start off with Mookie Betts on the injured list because of a cracked rib. Uh, Dodgers are looking at multiple options right here. What, what's your favorite option? As you know, we obviously know that they uh, traded over and uh, got Trace Thompson from the uh, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more out of Thompson. Although he's kind of a marginal major leaguer, you know, he's bounced around, and there's a reason for that. He, you know, but Alvarez is obviously. Uh, not, you know, not not very strong defensively. Had a miserable weekend. He's starting tonight's game out in right field. I think there'll probably be a little bit of platoon, but 
No, it's not like Alvarez is this up-and-coming guy either. He's 32 years old. So, uh, you know, you're looking to see, like, with the Dodgers, what they can do in the long run. Obviously, you know, the luxury tax is pretty constricting in terms of what they can do in terms of bringing in a big-name player. Uh, long-term, and, and you kind of want to see if, like, they're going to call up Miguel Vargas, uh, or, uh, see if he can, you know, but what what they can do with that. The problem is, I mean, it's not just the that outfield spot, although it is that spot, but, like, Justin Turner having a miserable year. Uh, they need to get more out of someone like him, uh, for that matter, too. Max Muncy is maybe showing some signs of life, but he's hitting 155 going into the night. Uh, you know, it's 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 a real problem when they're, the, a couple of their veterans are, are having a really t- a tough time. And keep in mind, both these guys, uh, Turner and Muncy, were hurt going into the season and kind of hurried back, uh, especially in the case of Muncy. There was a lot of talk that he wouldn't be ready for the start of the season, and he did play, but then he, he had a you know he had a stint on the IL, and he's just you know I, I I'd argue that he's probably not all the way fully recovered, and he tried to rush back just so he would get ready for the start of the season. And sometimes that's not a good thing. You want your guys to take your time. Hey, uh, Jordan Alvarez is back in the mix in a big way for uh, the Astros. He's been on fire. What he's been able to do lately? Yeah, he's been so fun to watch. He got hurt on Sunday. I was a little or Saturday. I was a little worried. Missed sat out Sunday's game. The Astros were a little less than forthcoming about what the injury was, and I was pretty nervous. But then came back yesterday just fine in Homer, and then two more homers today. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, love seeing a guy locked in like that. What about Nolan Gorman? He's also really trending upward with the Cardinals. Two home yep. runs, four RBIs, and what he was able to do recently. Yeah, and he, he's making a pretty splashy debut. It's interesting to see how the Cardinals are treating him, not letting him face any lefties. Uh, although I think he is starting against a lefty today, so uh, check that. But, um, you know, it's interesting to track his development. He's obviously uh, a pretty uh, high prospect for them. Uh, defense is a little bit of a concern. We don't know if he's going to be a second baseman long term. He originally was a third baseman, but. You know the Cardinals kind of have this guy named Nolan Arenado. He's pretty good, I hear. So uh, I don't think he's you know third base is going to open up anytime soon for Gorman. So finding that that spot for him is kind of key. But uh, the Cardinals they've been aggressive about promoting their prospects this year. I think it's been to their benefit. What do we make of Albert Abreu uh, being claimed uh, and returning back to the Yankees uh, after uh, combining to post a 3.46 ERA over the last 11 appearances? Uh, I was a little surprised they let him go. Um, but yeah, you know the Yankees—they could use a little. They, you know, they, they know the the pitcher, uh, obviously. So that that's something that you know, probably what uh, what was a part of it there. But uh, you know, it's like the Royals. How how do the Royals let him someone go like that? Uh, that that's the weird part. But uh, you know, you know, he he's one of those guys. I mean, he's putting out a lot of base runners. The ERA is three forty six, but the WHIP was two. Uh, that's not good. So he's walked 16 batters in 13 innings. Uh, they're hoping, you know, that he has the strikeout stuff that they can somehow harness his control. That's always been the issue with the Bray. You look at like when he was with the Yankees in 2021, 19 walks in 36 innings. It's a known factor. So maybe they're trying to find another way to fix him. They struck Magic and Nestor Cortez. Keep in mind, Cortez was a guy that uh, they had at one point in time. They trade him away, you know, as if they didn't designate him. I forget what the actual transaction history was, but it wasn't a major deal. And brought him back and on the cheap, and they were able to you know, turn him into something pretty good. So 
maybe they're hoping to strike magic again with Abreu. Uh, let's go over to to some other injury news today. Uh, we heard the news uh, from the Mets that Carlos Carrasco left with a lower back tightness. We're going to have to monitor this one, right? Yeah, uh, it, it didn't look good. You know, he's had, Cookie's had a hard time staying healthy the last couple of years too, unfortunately, and. He was pitching well prior to this outing, but the Astros were kind of, uh, you know, we were talking about Jordan Alvarez. Alvarez got him twice. So did uh, Alex Bregman. He went deep against them, too. Let's face it, the Astros are a tough lineup to do this against, too. But, yeah, we'll watch this one carefully. Uh, the Mets, I mean, they're, they're, their depth is really getting tested right now. They get Scherzer back perhaps as early as this weekend, but they're still down to Grom and McGill, and now you take out Carrasco. That, that's pretty devastating. Well, uh, maybe better news. I, I know it's we're still looking at a ways away, but DeGrom facing live batters on Tuesday, first yep. time he's done so since spring training. Is that a little bit better news? Yeah, well, in the Scherzer news, too, 65 pitches in a rehab start yesterday. Uh, that's, you know, that that that's a... Uh, you know that that's a pretty substantial move. There's still talk that he might pitch on Sunday. Um, I hope he's not coming back too soon. We've seen that sometimes with uh, oblique injuries, so we'll watch for, watch that one carefully. But you know, Scherzer, he's you know he's got that bulldog mentality. Uh, the fact that, that he caught it like really quickly, it seems like, might have accelerated his return time too. Taylor McGill, uh, he is dealing with right shoulder, uh, right shoulder strain. It's looking like he won't be back until sometime in August, uh, as what we what right. we found out at, at from that MRI on Friday morning. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, he's a cut in leagues that don't have unlimited IL spots probably because you know, it may, you know, early August is a optimistic uh, vantage point, and you know that's assuming no setbacks whatsoever. Uh, it's tough to cut, and you don't know what like what form of him he'll be uh, when he comes back. Let's face it, this is the second trip to the IL, so they got to be extra careful with him. Going back to the Mets, uh, James McCann. It's looking like he is uh, he began a minor league rehab assignment uh, back last week for uh, in the Double A ranks. He had surgery way back in May to repair his wrist, uh, a bone that he broke in his wrist. Um, what, what do you like about this timeline right now, or, or what are you looking here with uh, James McCann? Well, with him, uh, you're just you know catch, catching production is so hard to find, so. Uh, the Mets have gotten by without him. Uh, Nito leading the uh, leading the way for them uh, behind the plate, but McCann's a guy that's going to get a lot of playing time. So if you want to get the jump on uh, picking up a catch that might play a lot, this is the week to pick him up, even if before he comes all the way back. Uh, one more injury uh, a story I want to hit on: Anthony Rendon out for the season. We heard about this last uh, back on Saturday. A wrist injury is uh, keeping him out for the year. What did you think of this one? Uh, awful. Uh, you know, the, the, the Angels have had some really bad luck with their uh, high-profile free agents. I, I, I classify this one as bad luck. Like, I, I think the Josh Hamilton signing was just a bad signing uh, back in the day, but uh, this one was just bad luck. And you know, he just has not stayed healthy since signing that big contract. And you know, it's the oppor- You know, you sign him at the opportunity cost of maybe signing a pitcher instead uh, or two. To uh, strong, you know, it, you know, non superstars but strong starters, you know, it, it just it leaves you str- struggling. And you got replacement level production from third base the rest of the season. Uh, you know, you look at the lineup tonight. That's Matt Duffy over there. Um, that that that's what you're kind of looking at there for the rest of the season. You know, I, I watched that game last night where Otani tied it up uh, uh, with that three run wow. homer yesterday. Uh, and then I saw your tweet when I was on social media last night. It's such a thing. It's such an interesting question um, that I have. Where, where it's like. 
where where do you stand on that conflict between just rooting for a team and being excited for a player like Otani and then kind of looking at the fantasy? Because we see this all the time in football where you don't want to necessarily root against your team, but you're also rooting for your fantasy players. Yeah, I I, I root for my team first. Uh, you know, in this case, particularly since Angels aren't even my team. My team is the Reds, but right. I just... I, I I'm just I love seeing elite players like that. You know, this is I, and I have like a little exposure to Otani, but in my most important league, I needed that save from Scott Barlow. But man, I was just like, man, Otani's so awesome, so fun to watch. It's like he's a, he and Trout are appointment TV. You know, that's a, that's the shame of it all with the Angels is you have these two elite players. You got a guy like Taylor Ward that's breaking out. You you can see like. Uh, Jared Walsh has had some pretty big games lately. He's fun to watch, although he's not even starting today because they're facing a lefty. But, you know, there, there's some reason to have some hope on this team. But then, yeah. But uh, I, I still, like, I, I root for the, you know, I love, it's just, if you love baseball, you just love seeing excellence like this. And uh, so that's why I just, I, I was watching and re-watching that homer last night, even though it hurt my team. Sure, I, I completely understand, Jeff. I, I want to talk a little philosophy and, and ask your question on this. When you we're getting re- we're in the the middle of uh, the big trade deadline sw- season, where rumors are swirling left and right on which players are going to be dealt by the deadline. Uh, you look at big names like Luis Castillo, Wilson Contreras. You look deeper onto some players that could be available. Guys like Andrew Benatendi, Nelson Cruz, you know Tommy Pham. When when you're looking at it from a fantasy owner's perspective, how do you evaluate trades? And do you ever think about uh, selling high at a point before the player, a, a said player, gets dealt uh, during this time? Well, usually the player is stepping into a better situation, uh, especially a position player. Now, if it's a relief, uh, a closer getting traded, that's that's the one exception. I, I might look to try to. You know, trade away a closer that's going to get dealt to another team, especially if he's going to an established team that already has a closer. Now, in some cases, though, that if it's a closer getting dealt and he's going to, let's say, the Red Sox, he might be stepping into a better situation where he's getting more saves because they don't have an established closer. Uh, but all too often, you see these guys getting dealt as uh, depth guys on contending teams. If he goes to the Dodgers, for instance, if he goes to to the Yankees, he's not going to probably close. Uh, but if you go, you know, or to the Mets, uh, another good example, especially with Seth Lugo uh, being, eh, maybe not the same guy before. They might not need another guy to bridge the gap. Um, you know, that's where I might look to try, try to trade away uh, the, the closer on a losing team. Now, the problem is like. A lot of the losing teams don't have established closers. You know, the Reds have nobody, for instance, that they trade away. Um, same with the, same thing with the A's. You know, some of the, the teams that are going to be sell, obvious sellers may not have the inventory. Most definitely. Hey, uh, Manny Machado, uh, th- that is uh, great news for the Padres, knowing that he will not go on the IL, especially knowing that, hey, a uh, uh, guy like Fernando Tatis Jr., who they thought would be at least swinging the bat at this point, isn't doing so. No, I know that's frustrating. I have him on one of my more important teams. Uh, I was hoping to, he'd be back by now, and he's not even swinging a bat against you know, and, and that that's that's a problem. Uh, so you know, but the problem is like you you've held on this long. I mean, how, how, you you almost feel like compelled to keep on holding, right? Uh, that you, you you've run it. There's kind of that sort of bias, if you will. Uh, you know, I think it might discourage people from trading for him in other leagues. That's the other thing. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Check out all the great work at rotorwire.com. Jeff, what, what could you preview for us on the website that's coming up? 
Uh, you know, Todd Zola is doing an observations article. It goes up a couple t- days a week uh, for baseball. Uh, we're ramping up a ton of football coverage, uh, even, you know, basketball coverage. We have team pre- you know, off-season previews for each division in the NBA. The draft is tomorrow night, so we're going to be covering that one. I think we have a pretty thorough uh, podcast covering the draft that just went up, if I'm not mistaken. Either it's either it's just gone up or will go up shortly. Uh, but you know we got you covering every single sport, and that's one of the big things about RotoWire is you know we we try to cover every sport from a fancy perspective. So you guys can check out the free trial RotoWire.com/free. Uh, get access to everything on the site. It doesn't require a credit card at all. So please check it out, and hopefully you like it. Hey Jeff, thank you so much for all the great time today. We look forward to the same conversation same time next week. You bet. Thanks, Adrian. All right, Jeff Erickson joining us on Sports Talk as we continue. Let's take a timeout right now. When we come back, we got Jason Craig Selmontes in the building. We'll spend the rest of the show with you and then get you ready for Chihuahuas baseball. 7.30 first pitch. Tim Haggerty will join us at 6.45 right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back. Final segment of hour number two. Jason Craig behind the glass. He's screening phone calls. He's choosing the music. Getting people pumped about this show. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter, 600 ESPN El Paso.com, and our free mobile app powered by United Bank, where you can chat with us in real time. Sal Montes joins us in our Lubin Go studios. Happy Wednesday, Sal. What's up? What's going on, guys? It's uh, awesome to be here. Great interviews earlier. Thanks, Adrian man. was listening to him on the way over here. And uh, yeah, ready to, to talk about whatever we got to talk about. Let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on on Twitter right now. Uh, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Paul Mar Malejo with a series of tweets talking about KJ Lewis. Uh, first tweet, ready. El Paso, our talent is enough. No need to leave. Unless you have hidden agendas. Just ask Tim Hardaway. Anyways, good luck, young buck. KJ Lewis is a what? 100 basketball gem. El Paso change. El Paso is not hating. Our talent is always leaving. Get that degree, young bucks. That's coming from Paul Marmalejo. Um, now, now, let's just talk about that uh, subject of leaving El Paso. Now, this is an interesting one because over the past couple years, we've seen some of the top talent here in this city, whether, whether they're at the university level mm-hmm. or maybe like this situation at the high school level, we've seen players decide to depart from this uh, city, but it's not recently. This has been going on you know, throughout decades. I mean, people will cite the loyalty that guys like Tim Hardaway had. Uh, you know, you look back at some of the best UTEP legends who've ever played here. Yeah, they've They've demonstrated their loyalty for sure, and now we've just shifted into a new era of college basketball where, or college football, just college sports in general, where some of the top talent just ends up leaving. I mean, uh, you know, you look uh, at Bryson Williams. He left for Texas Tech, becomes Big 12 Player of the Year, essentially a newcomer of the year over there. Uh, you look over at football. Jacob Cowing, he leaves after he has had a really successful sophomore season uh, and a back-to-back, uh, you know, back-to-back-to-back all-conference USA recognition list. Katia Gallegos, on all accounts, best player on the UTEP women's basketball team. She leaves for Tulsa. Sule Boom, the best scorer in Conference USA this past year as the leading scorer, uh, best player on the minors this past season. He leaves the program for Xavier for his final year. Uh, now you're looking... Okay, so it's hard to compare at college, but then now you're comparing mm-hmm. that to high schoolers like KJ Lewis, who after three successful seasons with the Huskies goes over to Duncanville you have taught i'm i'm with paul on that um that you you see a lot of the top talent in the city whether it's college or af, uh, or high school athletes ending up leaving this city 
Um, I, I, I don't know, Sal. This is a tough one to answer as to why they leave. I think everybody has their own uh, reason as to why everybody ends up leaving. Mm-hmm. It's just I think it's a little unfair to say all the ta- all the best talent leaves because you still have yeah. standouts in the city, both at the high school level and at the college level, who end up staying here. Yeah, and ultimately the goal is to get to the next level. And if you got to use any place as a stepping stone, then so be it. I mean, we we talk about the day and age and i know that kj lewis is a high school player which i'll get into in a bit but on the transfer portal people are harping on it big time oh well all the best players are leaving utep well guess where those players came from before they went to utep other division one colleges right it it makes no sense to me it's like you got to you're either for it or you're against it but if you're against it don't support the players that come here from other universities you know what i mean so that's one point but then two uh one player i looked this up but david David Lyon, right? We know him. Big Daddy, right? From the Texas Western team. He was a transfer from Tennessee State. Or he attended there, wound up coming here on a second chance. So it's kind of like, well, all this homegrown talent leaves or players, they should only stop at UTEP and then go to the next level, whether it be the pros or whatever. But it makes no sense how players are going different places all over the time. Somebody's leaving a college right now to go to a different one. It's just why is it so much of a big deal now? And then as far as hidden agendas, it's nobody's business but their own. Right, right, exactly. Jason, What? How do you? is there a solution to this, or is there not really a, a clear solution whatsoever? About uh Yeah, just athletes leaving? leaving, yeah. I mean, if they want to go somewhere, let them go. Like, let them be who they are. I, I, I'm going to get canceled. I swear I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to say something that they don't want to hear, but they have to hear it. You're not playing the sport. Who are you to tell anybody what they can and can't do? I'm not canceling you with that. I, I mean, come on. You feel you, what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, 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 I get mad. Like, I, I sit on the couch and watch games, and I'm yelling at players, and I'm like, oh, this player sucks. But he's in the NBA. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this sounds like something you, you talk a lot about, Sal. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, I always diss, but I know that if I were on that level, I can't. But since I can, I might as well just, just let it all out. <laughs> right? You just get mad, and I'm like, how can I yell at somebody that sucks in the NBA? I, I'm not in the NBA, nor did I go to college or, you know, play sports in high school. So who am I to judge those decisions? And I don't know what those decisions are because I'm not – I've never lived that life. No, I, I completely understand what you're what you're saying there, Jason. Our telephone number five zero five six zero zero nine. As we continue here on Sports Talk, also six hundred ESPN El Paso on Twitter at six hundred ESPN El Paso to check in on the show as well. Uh, the uh, KJ Lewis conversation. You know, I, first off, I, I really just appreciate him uh, joining us and. Sal, he did a lot to just give mm-hmm. a good spotlight to the city of El Paso. That's that's something else that people should really understand is that he did a lot for the city to just give them some good exposure and what they what they really want to see. Yeah, and, and I mean, we know that he was uh, not only the star of the team, but the star in El Paso, really. Uh, but wherever he's at, there's going to be a lot of cameras, and other guys got their fair share of, uh, of exposure, too. Right. I mean, we, we've seen other guys get offers, get looked at, get scouted by other universities and colleges so there's a lot of good that's come with it i mean yeah it sucks because you can't really claim him as 
a high school graduate of El Paso, but for what he did for everybody else. And that probably wasn't his intention. He just showed up, tried his hardest with his team to win the game. And with that came exposure, not just for him, but for other guys on his team and maybe the best player on the other team as well, too. We're going to open up the phone lines to this discussion. I think this is a good one that we can definitely dive into in the six o'clock hour. If you would like to get in on this conversation, now is the time to do it. Joe Rod's going to be on deck coming up in hour number three. We got a, another call to get to as well. Our telephone number, if you would like to get in, 915-505-6009. Is there a solution to athletes leaving the city of El Paso? Is it circumstantial? Should you uh, blame athletes for leaving this city? We want to know at 915-505-6009 or tweet us your thoughts at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. We'll take a timeout. Hour number three, right around the corner. Sports Talk continues here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. It's hour three. A little Aaliyah welcoming us back on the show. Jason Craig, Sal Montes, Adrian Broaddus taking you through the show today. Chihuahuas baseball at 730. They're taking on Sacramento later on. Voice of the Chihuahuas, Tim Haggerty, will join us in our final countdown. 645 is uh, the final countdown when he will join us. And then, again, first pitch set for 730. Uh, We are talking about a conversation we just uh, left off of here in the uh, previous hour. Talking a little bit about, um, you know, the city of El Paso losing top talent. And I, I would love to get this discussion going with some of our listeners because I think they could bring some good perspective as fans, as, as people, as bystanders and stuff like that. You see both college athletes, top players, and then you see high school athletes, well, with just one here in KJ Lewis, uh, departing from the city of El Paso. Just your thoughts on this one at 915-505-6009 as we continue. Uh, let's get things started on the show. We've got Joe and Mike ready to go. Appreciate their patience joining us uh, from the break. Joe, let's start with you. Thank you so much for the phone call, man. How's everything going? What's up, Adrian? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. I'm I'm uh, coming off a uh, great uh, watching of that U.S. Open. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I'm sad that Will Zalatoris didn't win, but uh, hey, uh, so be it, right? Matt Fitzpatrick ends up winning. Maybe Will will win one sometime. No, he most definitely will. And uh, you know, oh, I see when, what you did when, there. Whenever, whenever, whenever we have time, I'll tell you a cool Will Zalatoris story that happened here in El Paso. Oh uh, man. An experience I had in, in watching him at the at the Sun Bowl All American Tournament, which is pretty cool. But anyhow, um, I just wanted to chime in right away, Adrian. Um, you know, I got to say, uh, coming before you guys broke for for the for the end of the hour break, um, I got to say I got to agree with the boys behind the glass completely as far as what they were saying about um, you know you know their you know it's it's their decision and and I don't think anybody should help you know criticize them for them. They can do as they please with with whatever they think is best with their career. The problem, the, 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 it's not necessarily a problem, but the one thing I would like to see an improvement, though, is for the, these athletes to be a little bit more forthright um, when, when addressing the matter. You know, don't say, you know, don't be cliche about it and say, oh, well, you know what, I haven't really given it any thought right now. I'm just focusing on, on this part of the season with this team and doing the best for, for being with UTEP or for being with, at, at any other team. You know, I'm just focused on, on what's going on right now, and I haven't given it any thought. And then, lo and behold, days or, or a week later, you know, that decision is made that they're leaving. You know, I think, um, you know, if, if you want to make, you know, a big boy, big girl decision with your career, I think you also have to be able to, to be a little bit more candid and a little bit more forthright with regards to when you're being asked 
about that subject matter. You know, you, 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 you were talking about golf right now, just right now. What did Rory McIlroy say today about uh, Brooks Kepka? You know, that he says one thing last week at the, at the U.S. Open, and he doesn't regard anything about live golf or says he doesn't know anything about it or hasn't given it any much any thought. And yesterday it came out that he's going to join the tour. So just, I mean, I think a little bit more forthrightness and, and being able to, to, to express, you know, the, the reality of the situation, I think fans would appreciate that more. Um, and I think it, it would just be a win-win for everybody if that was just the case. Now, is there any solution to keep the best talent here in El Paso, in your opinion? No, I think it's just, uh, you know, the nature of the beast. I think it's just, uh, you know, I think with building a more winning product, you know, the, the more you'll be attracted to it, you know, and I think it's just one of those things where with every passing year, I think if you just add a little bit more success to what it is that you're trying to build, it, it will become a program, uh, you know, what, in whatever sport that we're talking about, it'll become a better more attractive program and, and people might not want to leave for quote unquote uh, greener pastures. But you know how I've always told you, you know, when we're, when we're talking in at Utah press boxes or, or down on the, down at the Don Haskins center, uh, you know, where, where we sit, you know, uh, sometimes the grass is greener on the other side because it's fake, you know, <laughs> so yeah. it, everyone always, everyone always eventually learns one way or another, but yeah, no, I think just building it every year, a little bit more and more, just a little bit more success, will make, you know, the, the programs that you tip that much more attractive for, for kids who want to stay. Sure. Hey, appreciate the phone call and inside, Joe. We'll see you soon, man. Uh, really appreciate the phone call, man. Peace. All right. That's Joe Rod joining us on the show. Uh, let's get to Mike, who is patiently waiting us w- with us on the show. We're asking people just, you know, their overall thoughts. K.J. Lewis leaving to Duncanville last. Uh, just we heard this news, uh, news yesterday, last night. Uh, we, we've seen some of the top athletes in the city, whether they're at the college level or maybe even the high school level, leave the city of El Paso and depart for, uh, for other pastures. Uh, let's go to Mike, who's joining us next. Mike, what's going on? Thanks for the call. No, you're welcome. Just wanted to to put my little comments or two cents on this. So K.J. Lewis, I, I guess, and I'm kind of, maybe don't have all the facts, I, I, verbally committed to the U of A, correct? Correct, Prior that's right. The, so U of A, and they, they lost a lot of people, a lot of players to the portal after their NCAA run. Um, so now he decides to go to Louisville, Louisville High School in Dallas. Okay, so so this is so he's going to Duncanville in Dallas, and so KJ's just a junior right now. Uh, he finished his junior year of high school, so for his senior year of high school, he's now heading to Duncanville for his last year before he goes over to Arizona. That's right. So he is still committed to the U of A. Correct. Yes, he's a hundred percent committed. Uh, he's posted that all across social media. He says that for Duncanville, his reasoning behind it is you know for better competition and to try to compete for a state title. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's a head scratcher. Secondly, what happened to UIL uh, three sixty five rule? How can he transfer? Great question. As, as a senior, you know, I know there's lawyers involved and stuff like that. My kids years ago were involved with three sixty five. It gets pretty nasty when other principals from other schools are fighting transfers for sports reasons. 
Uh, what what's up with the UIL three sixty five rule on that? How did he bypass that? Yeah, great question. And uh, we've been asked this before. Uh, first off, I don't know. Uh, first off, I, I just want to say this: when it comes to transfer rules, whether it's college, uh, UIL, whatever, I would say they're way looser now than they've ever been. And I, I'm talking about recently, like the past two years, ever since COVID really hit. Uh, these rules have really loosened over the past couple years. And do I think that's right? I I don't know. I I, I don't really have a strong opinion either way on just allowing guy, uh, players or athletes to transfer for sports reasons, but they didn't have a sports reason in this one. KJ jumped on with us uh, earlier and he said that you know his mom accepted a job over there first and then he had, uh, he left over there, so that was that his reason. The only reason. That would be the only, only way UIL would bypass it if his parents took an employment or got separated and he had, went to go live with them. I mean, it is what it is. Don't get me right. wrong. I'm sure his mom was offered a job by someone or somebody in the Louisville UISD to get him, get him in there. So that, that's how he probably got around that. But for him to go play 6A versus 5A, still come to do, I mean, I don't know. I hope it works for him. It's a head-scratcher. It is a head-scratcher. Hey, Mike, before we let you go, what's the solution to keep the best talent here? You know, it, it, there's no solution. I, I'm not a – I don't – I don't think there is with the, the transfer rules now. Like they're being lessened, like you said. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the, the cream is going to rise to the top. Um, you know, where Aaron Jones, perfect example. You know, Burgess played at UTEP. You get invited to the combines after the fact, and then you compete against the best of the best, and you you get invited. Um, that's at the end of the day, the bottom, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football, I mean, they have all these camps now for baseball players, and you're trying to elevate your game, but I think you get recognized. Melendez is a perfect example. Right. You get invited to the next level, uh, and then you showcase call them what they are, and, and that's what it is. But, I mean, you're, we're, in this day and age, I, I don't know how, how you keep local talent here. They have to be committed to the, the program and the city. I have no answer to this, Mike. I think it's the toughest question you might be able to ask uh, when it comes to sports and athletics here locally. Uh, it's it's one of the toughest solutions that you have out there. And, uh, Mike, I appreciate the insight. I appreciate your phone call. Guys, I'll get your responses from everybody, everything that we've heard from both Joe and Mike. Uh, first, we'll start with you, Jason. Then we'll go to you, Sal. Uh, your thoughts on, on just uh, the, the perspective that we had from our callers. You know, they're talking about how to keep, you know, the players here. Um I mean, in my own opinion, you know, uh, a few years back, I left. I left El Paso for uh, the greener pastures, and it was fake grass. So Really? So you've experienced the transfer portal in a negative way? Uh, something like that. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it just, I was like, you know what? It's, it's not really worth it. I mean, me being here for 10 years, I, I love this city. Like, there's nothing that's going to make me change my mind. I've learned so much here, and then everything that I've learned I use elsewhere, and it makes me uh, that much better, um, especially what, you know, what KJ was talking about, about, you know, having tough skin. El Paso will make you learn have some tough skin real fast. That's really, true. Really fast. So anywhere else, it won't be as bad, you know? It won't be as bad. Uh, sometimes if, you, uh, if you're in a bubble – uh, and you go somewhere else that like it's it's shocking it's shocking so, so you gotta you know sometimes you gotta spread your ring just to get that experience in you um how to keep them here i mean 
In and out. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Sal, I'll toss it to you. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? It's definitely interesting. Everybody has different takes. Uh, for K.J. Lewis, we know he's going to the University of Arizona. That was already said, whether he's leaving El Paso or not. He's going to Arizona for um, to play basketball at the university level. So as far as going to Duncanville, it is one of the premier basketball schools in the country. And if you're going to test yourself against the best, I mean, there's always that saying, right, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. Well, how come that doesn't apply here? Is it just because he played basketball in El Paso? You know what I mean? So. I think this is a guy who wants to be at his very best going into college. Now, we'll see how he fares out. He definitely has the talent and upside to do that. Uh, but Duncanville and DFW basketball is a different beast. But I think he's ready for it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and, and one of the things that he's always made uh, like a point to let us know, to let the city of El Paso know, one of his be- biggest goals is to win a state title. Like he mm-hmm. wanted to do that with Chapin. Every time he joined us, every every single time is win a state title. It was never, hey, let's beat teams in district. Let's go. Let's win a district yeah. title. It was yeah, never. I said, le- yeah, yeah. An, and let's go far in the playoffs. No, it was win a state title every year. That was that was his kind of mentality, and and that's good, right? Because if you have somebody who has that kind of personality and mentality for El Paso. Don't you want that for this city? This city shouldn't settle for uh, the teams in the city should not settle for a first round exit in the postseason at the high school playoff level, or they shouldn't, you know, settle for just a bowl game or just a a NIT appearance or an appearance in the basketball classic. Don't you want to win championships? I feel like when we're going back to the solution to this answer, I go to something that Joe said, it's, it's winning, but winning at a higher level and building that brand, even more so than what you have right now. Maybe it's also the resources. Maybe, you know, we're a little behind as far as the city goes when it comes to just the basic resources we need. We heard Bryson Williams tell us about all the things that Texas Tech has Mm. within their basketball, um, you know, facility and how that is comparable to an NBA facility. I mean, that just shows you where the the difference is, where it's a Power 5 school versus a a school uh, at the mid-major level. It's high, high schools here in El Paso that are scattered all around over 30 high schools with talent spread across this city yeah. versus you know other schools where they can recruit some of the best prospects and assemble super teams like we heard from uh, from Duncanville. So it's tough. It, it's, a, it's a lot of catch and trade. I don't think there's a solution. I think it's just a, the new reality, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, something that we're barely, I don't even want to say getting used to, I guess just seeing a little bit. It's newer. Who knows what it's going to be like in five years? You That's know what true. I mean? The, things are constantly evolving. They're always changing. So, I mean, credit to KJ. I, I think he's doing the best thing for himself to get him ready for the next level. And ultimately, too, uh, Arizona, I don't think that's going to be his last stop in a, a basketball uniform. I think there's a uh, three letters that that are in his future in a couple years. Exactly, and I think he wants the quickest path to that. No, no shame exactly. in that. No nope. shame because if you're trying to get the quickest route and trying to go to the NBA, I don't fault you. Why am I? Why am I going to stand here and fault you for something along those lines? That's, in fact, I should go the other way and I should I should uh, you know praise you for trying to get to that NBA yeah. level. Isn't that what all yeah. these players are trying to reach. And you know what? There's so many prep schools out there. There's so many there other high schools that receive top talent to compete at the highest level. We, we look at guys, Kevin Durant's one of them. You know what I mean? Carmelo Anthony. I guess I'm just saying all Oak Hill guys, right? But, sure. But I mean, 
there are schools who get the best players to try and compete at the highest level in high school, and they only play their maybe their senior year. Exactly. There you How go. is Thank this you. any different? Thank you. And I, I, I really agree with that, Sal, because I was talking to KJ Off-Air as well, and I was just saying, hey, look, you know, I know that you, you're going to graduate from Duncanville when it's all said and done. But you look across the NBA, almost every top-level player, almost everybody goes to one final high school before they end up going to college, like a different high school than they did. Uh, the I would I would love to know. There's no there's probably no stat out there for this, but I would love to know the average number of high schools or prep schools that an NBA player has been to uh, during their time. Like it just happens. It's it's today's. Uh, high school basketball. It is the AAU culture that has uh, influenced this for the good or the bad um, that, that has really put people in this position. We had a, we just had a call from Nikki off air asking why doesn't UTEP do big recruiting locally to push the city a bit more? I think that's a fair question by Nikki because I, I and I also think that you got to look at the top level talent, right? Like, okay, they UTEP tried and, and they were after KJ Lewis left and right. I know they were at his practices individual practices, team practices, games, all that kind of stuff. They worked to try to get KJ Lewis in at UTEP in a big way. So, Nikki, I think that there's a there's a fine line at UTEP where they want to try to get the best athletes in El Paso. However, sometimes when you have uh, high caliber guys like KJ Lewis, or I'll give a football example, Tavoris Jones. Yeah. Uh, it, it's tough to keep. I'll give a new example with uh, LJ Martin. That's somebody who has his recruiting is picked up in a big way. The running, the standout running back out of Canyoteo, his his uh, recruiting has picked up in a massive way over the past year. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and just say that this is the kind of guy uh, who is just a, a standout player uh, in KJ Lewis. And, uh, you know, it's it's tough to see talent like that leave. But at the same point, um, to all you guys, I don't know how UTEP could do better in terms of recruiting locally uh, w- with what they're currently doing. Do you guys think that they could do anything better when it comes to just recruiting locally? I'll, I'll ask you first, Sal. Uh, I think using more resources, putting them out on social media more, making it a, there you go. Making okay. it a priority to go and cover these games a little bit more or doing um, – profile spotlights, different things like that, just just more exposure because that's where everything is now. It's all on social media. 99% yeah. of everything is going to be on there. And if uh, you know there's just a, a, a small read or, or a quick put in the newspaper, I'm sorry, but that's just not good enough. you you got to go out there and give these guys more exposure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there, Sal. Uh, hey, hey, Sal, um, could you help, uh, could you help yeah. Jason with, with Charlie? We're going to go right to there. Charlie in just a little bit. I uh, want to let you know, if you want to get in on this conversation, our telephone number at 911 915-505-6009. That's 915-505-6009 to get in on the program. I thought that was a great off-air question by Nikki. Uh, And uh, if you would like to connect with us and ask any questions about this subject off-air or ask any questions on social media, you could do it right now. Let's take a timeout right now. Charlie's back for our final traffic update as we continue here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back to Sports Talk. We're having way too much fun back here, along with Sal Montes, Jason Craig, Capital City's playing. Man, we're getting all all types of music, huh, Jason? I like it. If I can find it, I'm going to play it. Okay, I got it. Let's go to the phones. Let's welcome on Greg back onto the show. He called us recently about his White Castle selection yesterday, and Greg joins us to talk about the topic that we've been discussing here on Sports Talk today. Greg, a good evening. What's going on? We've got to look at this from another another venue. My daughter was a 
number two student in the school, number one in her uh, class of engineers. Engineers. Do you know who the last engineering school to get in touch with her was? I hope it wasn't UTEP. Oh, hell yes, it was. UTEP was the last place to get in touch with her. She ended up going to UTPB because UTEP sat on their thumb. Now, admittedly, they've had a change of dean. Maybe they're going to do better. But I mean, if they're going to do that with, uh, with scholastics, what are they going to do with sports? They're not going to cut touch them. Sports is going to be way behind if, if, if their scholastics, which is what they said they focus on, is going to be last. You know, if they're going to go for local last, why are they going to go for local anything in sports? Yeah, I have no answer to that because if you're if you're losing the best talent when it comes to ath- athletics and you're losing the top talent when it comes to academics, then I think you have to look in the mirror at that point, right? Damn straight they do because if they're not going to see what they're doing just in academics, never mind. I, you know, I, I worry about sports. I am a sports fanatic, but if they're going to look at that for academics, why should sports? Yeah, I, I, they shouldn't. Yeah, they shouldn't. It, it, you know, you bring up a really interesting point, Greg, because it's it's not just about athletics. And and with these local standouts out there, you also have to look at the academic side of things. I mean, that's why you look at a university, right? And same with uh, the high school level. You want the best kind of high school uh, academic uh, scholars to be here in El Paso and really maybe stay in El Paso so they could you know eventually come back to the city and contribute to it eventually. So I'm with you. That is a big problem with, with UTEP. I don't know how they solve that one right there they need to find some way to solve that problem and then they can work in sports because yeah i would love to see somebody like that guy out of canyon teal come to utep but i doubt he's going to do it because he's going to look at someplace and going to go okay i can go to university of arizona or university of austin you know, tech UT, ut austin and have better academics as well as better better school sports they're going to go for it. They're not going to stay here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that, Greg. Hey, I appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks for weighing in, and I appreciate the insight on All this right. one. All right, uh, let's continue here on Sports Talk. Our telephone number, 915-505-6009, as we continue on a busy Wednesday edition of the show. Tim Haggerty, about 15 minutes away. He'll preview uh, the upcoming game for the El Paso Chihuahuas. Want to switch conversations, uh, talk a little bit about the NBA, because uh, I really wanted to get Jason's perspective on this. We touched on this a little bit earlier this week. Want to get also to some breaking news out of the NBA. By the way, real quick, Stanley Cup final, Lightning already up 1-0 against the Avalanche. Uh, You called this, Jason. You said uh, TB. You, You picked them. They're 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 already coming out the box just like that. So we'll see how the rest of this uh, this game goes. Very early uh, in this game, so it's a it's a long ways away to try to secure this victory. Avalanche lead the series right now, two games to one in the Stanley Cup Final. Thirteen minutes left in the first period as uh, Tampa Bay has taken a one nothing lead early into this matchup. Also, uh, real quick, college baseball news. Uh, Oklahoma beat Texas A&M today 5-1. to one. Right now, at the top of the fifth, Arkansas is leading Ole Miss 2-1. to one. So, just a little college baseball World Series. But let's get into some NBA. Um, we're, we're just still in this weird, weird holding pattern between the Brooklyn Nets and uh, Kyrie Irving. And I think that when you look at this from, uh, you take a step back and you look at this, we're so, as the NBA and as, as NBA fans, we're so quick to wait for all the drama to unfold. We're quick to watch uh, and want to see all drama, trades, guys Mm -hmm. breaking up with teams, guys joining other players and stuff like that. And I think a lot of people held on to the two teams that were active for uh, Kyrie Irving. 
I'm talking about the Lakers and the Knicks. Uh, for the Lakers side of things, I just don't see it. Like now that it, now that we've had a couple days to digest the breaking news from Sham Sharania, I don't think the Lakers stand even a puncher's chance for this one because I think the Brooklyn realistically they're not going to take Russ. They're going to take anybody from the Lakers. They're going to want yeah. Anthony Davis, and the Lakers aren't going to get rid of Anthony Davis. So can we cross them off the list? And then let's move on to the Knicks. What are the Knicks going to send? They're not going to want Julius Randle. They're not going to want any of those guys. If you send over a bunch of expiring deals to Brooklyn, what does that do for them? So I, I just those two don't really make a lot of sense. So I go back to Kevin Durant, which, by the way, I think he holds all the leverage in this. Mm-hmm. And he can make things as messy as he wants if Kyrie ends up leaving Brooklyn and doesn't get the deal that he desires. Kevin Durant holds a lot of leverage in this. And so it's up to the organization of the Brooklyn Nets to uh, decide between do we make our superstar and Kevin Durant mad or do we accommodate his wishes and sign Kyrie Irving, roll the dice on this whole franchise, and just go with it. Just sign into that extension. What do you all? What do y'all think? Um, it's a it's a real tough one for Brooklyn. They're in a a situation of uncertainty because of Kyrie's past actions or lack thereof. You know, because you know, understandably, he didn't play last season as much as he should have because of you know his beliefs on the the whole vaccine thing. Right. Uh, New York kind of messed up that whole situation itself. New York City agrees. The mayor, like he should have been playing way before. I don't understand how players could come into uh, the Barclays and play unvaccinated, right? And then he couldn't. I didn't never understood that part. It never made sense, but it is what it is now. Moving forward, there none of those rules and none of those things are uh, part of this uh, situation. So uh, those past situations, I understand they kind of like. They burn you a little bit, but th- those situations aren't uh, those things aren't there now moving forward, right? So he could play the whole season. Now it's just a choice of does he want to play? Because yes, we know that Kyrie doesn't think basketball is the most important thing. However, uh, if you give him a, I think if you give him a reason to, you know, um, I don't know, give him something where he feels he can give back, but. You have to play to do that. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how. I don't know how to to, to make it happen for him. I don't know if that'll ever happen because I, I think Kyrie. I, I think you said it best. I don't know if he's if he's that kind of player who's going to play full seasons for you as an NBA uh, as an NBA player. Just bottom line, and that's such a weird thing to say, right, guys? Like we're we're talking about Kyrie Irving right now as as we're not sure if he's going to play a full season. Let let me ask you guys this. When's the last time, just guessing out of your head, when's the last time Kyrie has played over 70 games? Can anybody guess the year? I'll go with you first, Sal. 70 games a year? Yeah, 70 games in a single season. Maybe his rookie year. Okay, so you say, say all right. So you guys both say rookie year. Well, it it hasn't been since the last season with Cleveland, actually. Uh, Okay, 72 games with Cleveland, but since then, the most games he's ever played was with Boston in 2019, where he played 67. I mean, he's not playing full seasons. He's not playing 82 games. He's not. He's rest. He's get out of the mix. He's injured. He doesn't want. He doesn't want to play for whatever reason. This past season, like Jason said, it was his choice on the vaccine debacle and and what what ended up happening with that. Only playing 29 games for the Nets this past season, yet demanding his full salary uh, from Brooklyn. So, I just I look at his body of work. And I and I can't talk myself into uh, you know a situation where this guy gets a max contract. But at the same point, 
If you're telling me tomorrow that this team in the Clippers or mm. this team in the Nets are signing him to max deal, are you going to blame him? Kyrie Irving sells shoes, sells jerseys, packs packs uh, fans into the attendance and everything because people want to see Kyrie Irving, Sal. Yeah. Whether he's uh, he's liked at the moment or not, he's going to be the topic of discussion. I mean, we're even talking about him right now, and the man didn't even do that well this past season with Kevin Durant. He didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. And we're still talking about it right now. So if somebody wants that attention, um, they're going to get tickets sold one way or the other. If people hate him, they're going to want to go to the game to go see him fail, to go chant at him. Or if they love his handles and, you know, just like the way he gets into the paint and does these freakish layups, they're going to enjoy that too. So it all depends on on what Brooklyn really wants to do. I know people say Kyrie Irving has the leverage here, but I think it's Brooklyn because Brooklyn is they have leverage because of a guy named Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant went to to Brooklyn almost said Boston <laughs> he, he went to Brooklyn to be the guy to have his team well if Kyrie Irving is gone there's literally no one else but you you could build his team from scratch now how are they going to get pieces around him is it going to be trade or free agency but before they even get there they got to figure out Kyrie so I love this drama well wait um you say something real interesting Sal because and I want to ask you on this follow-up Kevin Durant he he has a lot of power with within the Mm -hmm. uh, front office but are they kind of trying to reel it back after seeing what ended up happening? And I think we kind of touched on this a little bit yesterday, but like you have signings like Aldridge doesn't really pan out as, as a huge acquisition. Blake Griffin, uh, Patty Mills, these guys who just, you know, they, they seem like great players on paper, mm-hmm. but it's kind of different from what the Nets built, how they built their whole organization. They built this organization around younger prospects, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie. They were so excited about this young core they got, and then they, they shipped everything everybody out they said forget it let's bring kd in because this is going to bring some kind of relevance to the to the franchise and they haven't had that relevance so i don't know i don't know if kevin durant is willing to go through this again and you have ben simmons on this roster if is he we haven't play? even seen him play yet. exactly <laughs> and, and that's the thing with all those guys you mentioned aside from uh ben simmons and and james harden also kyrie irving um they're all on these minimum deals Two million plus. So, in a way, kind of like the Lakers. Oh, they they got the. If this team was in their prime, they'd be one of the best teams. But it's like thirty years worth of prime that you yeah. go over. <laughs> uh, but guys are signing for a minimum. Uh, we look at Aldridge. We look at Blake Griffin. Uh, Patty Mills wasn't a minimum, but six million compared to guys who are getting twenty twenty five. You know what I mean? I, I think there's a big difference there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But if they make a move, it can't be none of these minimum deals. It has to be a big splash. However. They tried that with Kyrie Irving. They tried that with James Harden and Ben Simmons, albeit all through trades. But, I mean, is it a a sinking ship too? That's a good question. Jason? Money. Money, 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 money. If if you – what you guys are saying and how I'm taking it is if Kyrie stays with Brooklyn and plays half the season or plays 70 games or whatever, he gets full contract and – you know he's he's good, and you know people just want to go hate on Kyrie or whatever. Like that's still ticket sales. That's still mm-hmm. attention to the product of the Brooklyn Nets. They can do they can do whatever they want. Like I'm still selling tickets. I don't care if Kyrie didn't play or not. If he sits the bench out of town, if he even hits the road, you know, and he sits the bench out of town, and just doesn't play. That state, whatever that arena is going to get money for that you know just because he's there he's uh he's a draw as a as an individual so 
Um, you know, if he plays, more money for sure. Yeah. If he just goes, I mean, there's still – that's the if of the sales of, like, you know, the fans. is like, all right, we don't know if he's going to play or not. But he, we know he's coming, so do we buy a ticket to go or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation. Uh, I wa- also want to get to some breaking news that we had at the start of the show. Uh, the Trailblazers are acquiring Jeremy Grant for a protected 2025 first-rounder. Uh, this is a real interesting – well, we knew that Jeremy Grant was on the trade block. And actually, this – I think this trade between uh, between Detroit and Portland has been percolating ever since the trade deadline this past February. Uh, there were rumors of Jeremy Grant being shipped away from the Pistons. He's somebody who who's interesting. I mean, he put up big stats on a terrible Pistons team, and it's obvious that they want to move on from him and kind of get on with this rebuild that mm-hmm. Detroit has. Uh, with the Blazers right now, they've got their they've got their superstar in Damian Lillard, and he has he's a guy who likes Portland. He doesn't want... And you can respect that. This is something that I think that everybody can respect, that Damian Lillard wants to win in Portland on his terms, with his team, assembling the guys that he wants to do it with. He's not looking to depart from Portland right now and join a super team. I don't know if that could change over the next year, and I think this might be their last ditch effort to try to get uh, a good team around him in order to try to have some success. They shipped away CJ McCollum. They acquired different pieces in that trade. Uh, Now you're looking at the seventh overall pick and a rumored trade between them and Toronto to try to acquire OG Ananobi. This makes Portland's roster really interesting because if you think about it, Sal, uh, you know, Damian Lillard ends up uh, pretty much on the bet. Uh, he doesn't play the second half of the season. And I know he was injured. He dealt with that rib injury or the abdominal in- in- injury that he had, the ab injury. But still, he's somebody who uh, on this team uh, didn't play uh, pretty much. He only played 29 games this past season so you didn't really have a a huge huge sample size of what he did and you know all that kind of stuff but it was so Portland could tank they were in full tank Mm -hmm. mode and they only got the seventh overall pick so instead of picking in there instead of trying to go with that young route they're saying no we got the seventh overall pick let's ship it away get OG Ananobi this is if yeah. that ends up happening, that's a 24-year-old who can play some serious minutes and guard some of the best players in the Western Conference. And he's still getting better, too. It was only, what, his fifth year played? And when we look at the numbers here, career high in 17.1 points per game. Um, and how about this? I mean, I guess it's the average for uh, turnovers per game, a career high, only 1.7, which matches the year before. So he's had he had the ball in his hands a lot more this past season than the year before, where he was still progressing. But kind of stayed at that same turnover rate as opposed to going higher. So that shows he's being a little bit more responsible with the ball. But what I like, assuming that everything falls through and Ananobi is out there with Damon and Grant, uh, Damian Lillard not only can can shoot the ball well, we know this, but it's one of the best pick and roll players that the league has had in a very long time. I agree. Can you imagine a pick and roll with Dame and Jeremy Grant, all the alley oops there, or a pick and roll with uh, Dame and Anunoby, or, or pick and fade rather, and then he dishes it out, and Anunoby's shooting it from the three. So I like it there so far, uh, but I still think they gotta they, they gotta do some more in regards to shooting to get those pieces around him. Yeah, I, I'm looking at their roster right now. I'm not really impressed by Portland, but maybe they can get a lot of guys when it comes to their. Uh, I, I guess like contract buyouts or just uh, mm-hmm. free agency acquisitions. 
Damian Lillard, he's on the roster for $42 million a season. His contract in 2025 will go up to $48 million. Ugh, man. He's 31 years old, by the way. Uh, that's a lot of money to pay to anybody. I, I don't care if it's Damian Lillard, LeBron James, or anybody. That's a Michael lot. Michael Jordan. Yeah, oh. who cares? <laughs> uh, LeBron Eric, James. Yeah, there you go. I got Eric Bled. They've got Eric Bledsoe under contract. Josh Hart. Uh, Justice Winslow. Keon Johnson. Uh, Nazir Little. I actually really like Nas. I think he's pretty sharp. Um that's about it. Greg Brown the third. They they really just don't have a lot of guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if Portland's necessarily a contender, and I think that's what they're trying to sell to Dame. They're trying to build a contender around him. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, you look at the Western Conference guys. Uh, do you see Portland pushing past any of these teams and actually winning the West next year? Winning the West? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't I, think so. I don't, th- I don't think so. No. I don't think so. You got Golden State coming back. You got Denver reloading. Denver. You've got uh, the Clippers returning Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. next year. You got the Mavs with another year of Luka and Memphis with another year of Ja. Phoenix Suns. Boom. You know Best regular I mean? season yeah, team this so, past yeah, year. It's going to be hard for them. As far as winning the West, I don't think so. I think they could get to the playoffs if you have a guy like Damian Lillard for sure. Uh, but when it comes down to it and you and you go beyond best player against best player and coach against coach, it's all about the depth. Yeah. At that point, and, and right now, it doesn't look like this team is deep enough in I, the slightest. I'm with you completely there, Sal. Hey, we're going to get Tim Haggerty, voice of the El Paso Chihuahuas, coming up next here as we continue our final countdown coming up right around the corner as Sports Talk continues here on 600 ESPN El Paso. countdown on sports talk today as we close out the show thanks so much to jason craig sal montes here on the show let's welcome on voice of the chihuahuas tim haggerty onto the show fresh off a uh viral video from father's day featuring his son and jokes from father's day uh tim i I don't remember a video where i laughed that hard after that joke i was raising my hand even though it was after the fact Thank you. I'll tell Carson that, our son. Um, yeah, we had no idea how that was going to go. As you guys probably know from interviewing kids over the years, sometimes they're understandably quiet, reserved. Uh, but something got into him. He was full of confidence. Uh, he was excited about it. And he delivered. I would describe him as fiery, uh, energetic, and also, like, uh, you know, I think anybody who heard him just, uh, he was, like, heartwarming, Tim. That's how I would describe his appearance yeah. with you. Thank you. Um, it was fun. You know, what I think helped is that we did not do any rehearsing. I didn't say to him the day before, okay, let's say this. <laughs> I couldn't believe the confidence which he delivered those jokes, and they were perfectly on time. And the way he's laughing as he's delivering the punchline, uh, it was better than I thought it would be. So, yeah, what, a, a couple of um, Chihuahuas players were in the clubhouse and they were hearing it live and they came up to me and they were talking about it here in Sacramento. And uh, what people seem to find especially funny is the fact that Carson thought people in the stands could hear him. Yeah. So he was he was getting upset that nobody was raising their hands at, uh, when he asked who thinks that that's a funny joke. Um, so I had to sort of say, no, you're on the radio, it's on an internet TV stream, 
Don't worry about those people. <laughs> people think this is funny, I promise. Last thing on this, I just thought the fact that like the video component added so much to this because when you saw hit Carson actually like pan around the stadium, he was he looked literally left to right and when he noticed that you were the only one raising his hand, his face, his like <laughs> quick face of like disappointment was priceless. I just that was awesome right there, Tim. I thought that was uh, some gold. I I was talking to Iris Lopez from 93.1 and she was like, "How is this not like all nation Nationwide, like famous right now, viral famous all over social media. <laughs> um, yeah, the website Awful Announcing, which isn't totally like the website describes. It's not all critiques. It's just kind of like announcing news. And uh, they did a little story on it and blasted it out to their Twitter feed, which is more than 200,000 people. So that was okay. uh, kind of a big one. But um, yeah, you know, you're right about the video part of it where you really see his facial reactions. That was a nice job by the Chihuahua's video crew to recognize that. And be willing to cut away from the action for a little bit, you know, even if it meant missing a swing or two, to show that. So, um, yeah, my son, uh, for anyone listening that has a, a five- and six-year-old, which is my son's age range, um, you know, sometimes they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And he's, he's pretty confident in the days after this on-air appearance. He's been basking lately. All right, let's talk a little Chihuahuas. They started off their six-game road series in Sacramento with a commanding 8-2 victory last night. Uh, very impressive outing by the Chihuahuas pitching staff. Yeah, it was. Uh, they allowed only two hits, which is the lowest hit total allowed by El Paso this year. There's a couple of three-hit games, but this was even better. Um, the team struck out nine of the final ten batters. And then on the offensive side, eight runs, all of which came with two outs, uh, two out RBIs. So, you know, that, that's the name of the game. Sometimes you look at a box score, the two-out hits. I mean, if you look at that, oftentimes that's what wins you a game. You know, a couple of those appearances, if they don't go the other way, that's all of a sudden a 4-2 game late instead of 8-2. So I think you're right. Great way to start the road trip. And whatever it is, the, the Chihuahuas start off series great. They're now 10-4 and in series opening games, uh, which, of course, most of the time are coming after an off day. So I think that's part of it. I think they play very well when they're rested. Uh, Sacramento is a team that's struggling right now. They've lost 21 out of 26. Oof. So let's hope the Chihuahuas can, you know, really play well in this series because right now they're in second place, four games back, and the first place team, Oklahoma City, is coming to El Paso next week for a head-to-head series. So I think it'd be great to go into that series being three or two back. I'm totally with you on that, Tim. Hey, have a great call later on. We'll talk to you in about 30 minutes from now, a little bit more than that. But I really appreciate you joining us here uh, before you get ready for some Chihuahuas baseball tonight. Yeah, thanks, Adrian, and thanks for your kind words. All right, no problem, Tim. We'll talk to Tim in, in about 35 minutes from now. Uh, but for Jason Craig, Sal Montes, I'm Adrian Brada saying so long, and thanks for listening to, to Sports Talk right here on 600 ESPN El Paso.